With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Because you've got powerful legs, how'd you get the physique? Was it gym or how'd you get the physique? Um, I've always been that She's actually not got powerful legs. Do you shower in your dressing room? Do you have a shower on the day of a fight or not? Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, oh, you yeah. little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. An absolute disgrace. That's your no one mind. Move him out of here, Daryl. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual I never said that. <laughs> Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. <laughs> Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natters, Messenger Group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Pump, you know what I'm saying? Welcome everyone to the 526th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse. You can find it everywhere on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, it's it's everywhere, uh, much like uh, ketchup. Uh, I think ketchup is quite popular everywhere as well. Um, boxing not so popular this weekend. In fact, Steve, I think the uh, the biggest event of the weekend might have been the, uh, although uh, only a half dozen lads show up, it still might have been the Boxing Nutters meetup, which occurred over the weekend. Nobody was arrested. No hate crimes were committed or inflicted upon the Nutters. Uh, beers were consumed. Yeah. Seems to have been a successful outing for the lads. Apparently so. Here, Matty, just, just on that, actually, I got sent some photographs from Danny Young, um, who organized the whole thing there. They are on their T-shirts. Yeah, and I tell you what, I bet those toilets were like Bolivia, by the way. 
<laughs> Fantastic-looking shirts there. Fantastic job oh, there. Great uh, play to Dolly. He, he, yeah, he created them, and then there's another one there. Um, maybe one of them disappeared by the end of the night. But yeah, the boys had a good time. I think it was about seven or eight all together in yeah, Nottingham. in said Fred there as well. <laughs> Nottingham, isn't that where the women outnumber the men by about three to two, Steve? And yet they all went home by themselves that night, shamefully. Yeah, I'm not sure you can class some of them as women, but I get the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, as uh, the great Mickey Gilly, cousin of Jerry Lee Lewis, once sang, Steve, the girls all get prettier at closing time. <laughs> Beauty's only a light step away. Generally, Lewis, no fucking niece or something like that. She was like, married his 13 year old second cousin, Andy. There we go. There we go. 13 year old guy. There we go. And he was kicked out of rock and roll, uh, but welcomed into country music with open arms. Mm. Uh, but that's another, another story for another <laughs> podcast. It clearly was. So let, let's take it out of the deep south and the legend of Jerry Lee Lewis and up to Detroit for the legend. That is growing, that of the quote, also known as Clarissa Shields, uh, t- taking a clear, wide, 10-round uh, nothing decision over Marcella Cornejo uh, to keep her crown, hurting Cornejo over numerous points in the fight, unable to get the stoppage, unfortunately. Uh, I do believe, again, there are definitely rounds in there where a three-minute round would have probably done the trick and uh, sealed the deal uh, for uh, Shields against Cornejo, but uh, she just tacks on another W, does not get the KO. Uh, she will be moving forward, and ultimately, as I have said, what I hope to see is we have the match with Savannah Marshall and Franchon Cruz Desern coming up in a month. I would like to see the winner take on Shadeja Green, then the winner of that fight the quote. Maybe we'll get a new fight, maybe we'll get a long-awaited rematch between uh, Cruz Desern and uh, Shields, or maybe we'll end up getting a pretty quick turnaround uh, between Marshall and Shields and see if Savannah can't potentially do a little better in a rematch. Green, uh, Matty, a bit of a puncher, apparently, you were saying? Quite quite the puncher. Uh, some some folks want to say she's the second coming of Ann Wolf. I wouldn't go that far. I, I think I think Ann was basically the Deontay Wilder of, of her generation, and it's going to be a while before we see her again. But she can crack. Um, I, I would say she's a she's a bigger puncher than Marshall, um, for sure. Actually, so yeah, we're not sure about how much of a puncher is. I didn't watch it, as you know. I know you were kind of jesting, jesting me, but my my views on on women's boxing go so far as if the matchup is interesting and entertaining, i.e., Cameron Taylor, Taylor Serrano, pursuing the quote against Marshall, absolutely. But once Marshall disappeared out the way, that was kind of the interest for me. That was what everything had been built up to that point. Savannah Marshall had a chance of beating the quote, and now we're back to these girls. Gabriel's, there was a bit of intrigue because she'd knocked her down before. But of course, as, she, as soon as she started fiddling with the dogs and popped dirty, this Corneo came in at short notice. Nothing the promoters could do about that. No interest whatsoever because I know shields very good boxer talks a good game doesn't really punch it, it just it just let the wind out of the out of the tires for me unfortunately on this one so i i didn't partake in the quotes action this weekend although the the opponent was easy on the eye i must say yeah she uh i'll tell you this much she's to steve uh she was better looking entering the fight than she was leaving it <laughs> so um, maybe the quote hits a bit harder than we thought then. <laughs> so uh, uh yeah i i think she definitely got a broken nose in there at one point it looked like but uh yeah you know uh, i do think shields is one of those fighters that would easily benefit 
uh, from three minute rounds. She is uh, barking up the 12 2 tree, um, as I have uh, actually recommended, thinking, you know, ask for everything, you'll get nothing, ask for a little just might get it. So we'll see what happens on that front. Um, mm. I'd like to see him figured out sooner than later because I'd like fights like Marshall versus Shields and, uh, you know, and uh, potentially uh, Shields versus Green and uh, Taylor versus Cameron. I, I think those deserve at the very least the qualifier of championship rounds, um, whether you're giving them three minutes or not. I think you got to give a championship fight 12 rounds you're asking for you know four more minutes for the love of fucking yeah no i I agree and also on the point of uh, entering in better condition than you left i think this was the nutters group when they started at two o'clock in the afternoon and then this was them when they all left at the end of the day so um it didn't go too well for the boys but shout out to the nutters it's a rough time but yeah they they seem to have a great time good group danny makes some damn fine t-shirts that's for sure um, and, uh, it's a shame there was nobody wearing one at the little Caesar center in Detroit last night. Steve, uh, didn't see one nutter shirt there the uh, <laughs> entire time, hard as I might've looked. Um, uh, interesting fact before we move on, uh, and, uh, this came out a couple of years ago when he passed away, but the, uh, the, uh, owner of, and founder of uh, little Caesar's pizza paid the uh, rent for Rosa parks for like the last 20 years of her life or something like that. Um, a good man, good man. So uh, now that now he has a, uh, a place uh, of sport named after him. So he's got that going for him, um, even mm-hmm. in his passing. So wonderful for that. And uh, they make a decent pizza, Steve. It's not great, but it's hot and it's ready. You literally walk in, you say, can I please get a pepperoni? And they reach into their little heating thing and they hand you a pepperoni pizza. You hand them $7. It works very easily. Uh, I am a fan of Little Caesars. In fact, Little Caesars is in my refrigerator right now. It sounds uh, like uh, it sounds like Little Caesars is, is dearer for a slice of pizza than Eddie's front garden. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that Eddie should have Little Caesars uh, take care of uh, all of the refreshments at the next backyard outing, whenever that might occur. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> you don't off <laughs> as I have been so known to do. Um, I'm looking at the numbers up at the top, though. They haven't gone down, so people aren't that annoyed with me yet, Steve. Um, who I would be annoyed at, though, would be the referee last night in the Ardrill Holmes and uh, Wendy Toussaint fight. Uh, Steve, I know you caught this one. There was a point deduction in there um, and uh, some dubious scorecards leading to a split decision victory by Holmes. Uh, nasty head cut causing it to go to the cards um, uh, after eight rounds, in the middle of about eight rounds had been done. And uh, I thought Toussaint got the raw end of that one, Stephen, in a number of ways. One, referee bias. Two, on the cards. I I, I thought that uh, despite that uh, point deduction, I thought that he was a reasonably clear winner. What did you think? Yeah, I thought so too. Um, the, offend- the referee, the offender himself was Gerard White. But I think there was a number of things at play here. Obviously, Hardriel Holmes was the hometown fighter. Uh, from Detroit, so he's kind of getting that tax, that little bit of a benefit going with him. But apart from the first three or four rounds, I thought Holmes just stood off completely. Uh, Toussaint came forward, wasn't doing anything really uh, remarkable, just throwing a lot of shots, especially the right hand. They had a clash of heads earlier on. Uh, Mr. White had deducted a point from Toussaint for, I don't know, kind of hitting behind the back of the head. I think uh, Holmes ducked down as the punch was being thrown or maybe he was coming back up again. And it was a little bit harsh, I thought that. But the momentum was definitely swinging into Sant's favour. And Holmes was really starting to feel sorry for himself. And he's, the corner were trying to stick a firework up his ass to get him going. And then the inopportune head clash. I suppose there's never a good time for a head clash. But the momentum was really shifting towards Toussaint. And I thought he was going to get the win. And then the, the, the heads clashed. The blood was pissing. 
probably should have been stopped straight away, but the doctor, yeah, I like him, the Steve Schmoger of doctors, he threw Toussaint straight back out of there. Blood was pissing out of his head, a bit like Badu Jack. And I think what really screwed Toussaint over was, you could kind of see maybe with the hometown scoring that Holmes was ahead, but then they scored the eighth round. That was included in the scoring, which I know is a rule in some places, but it only went on for a minute and six seconds. And Holmes came out and absolutely threw everything the kitchen sink so he won the the that card on two of the he won that round sorry on two of the scorecards now on Catelia Chambers who had it 77-74 it didn't make any difference the other lady Rosemary Gross had it 77-74 and the other way to Toussaint but Vincent Santino's 76-75 scorecard was definitely affected by the fact that they scored that eighth round and Holmes came out through a lot of punches and by virtue of doing that and winning that minute effectively he got that extra point and won the fight. So that was as much as a problem as anything. And at the end, White wouldn't let Toussaint's corner come in and clean him off. And he was he was wandering around the ring. He looks a bit like Isaac Dogbo, actually, facially. He was wandering around the ring. The doctor was just had his arms up in the air, didn't know what was going on. He was happy for them to continue. I heard him say something like, it was just a little squirt. I mean, that's what they all say. But the doctor was happy for the fight to continue. Toussaint, they wouldn't let him up, his corner up for about five minutes to clean him off. He was pissing blood everywhere. Nobody really knew what was going on. Holmes isn't going anywhere. Toussaint's probably not going anywhere either, but it was just a bad night all around. Just have to write this one off as a bad job, I think. And I've seen Gerard White before, and he hasn't covered himself in glory in this one. But as for Holmes, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think, don't think he's got a dog in him, as they say. Yeah, and you, I really feel for Toussaint, who uh, actually had bet on himself to win the fight uh, by knockout. So he was trying to work his way towards that, mm. um, and, and he kind of got robbed out of it. And he came in in great fighting shape in that one, actually coming in four pounds below the limit. Uh, he came ready to fight, uh, had a good full camp in there, and, and uh, I just think he kind of got jobbed in there by, uh, by the refs and uh, by the judges. Do you think he got punished for having a woman's name? You could be right. You could be right. Did, did you know that the name Wendy did not exist until the book Peter Pan? No, I didn't know that, actually. That's yeah. a great factor. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, I, I like to not only uh, teach people about boxing, but, uh, you know, the deeper things like literature as well and culture, Steve. You know, You're the boy who never grew up in every sense. Jesus fucking Christ. Let's not even get, go into that one. <laughs> um, but anyways, it's uh, interesting. Andy, did you catch that one or just the Canadian card? I'm trying to recollect. No, I didn't catch any of that. That the zone, mate. I only caught the Canadian card, which I think was Thursday. I've sat and watched it last night because there was right. nothing else on whatsoever. So. Well, we'll be there in a second. Um, also on that zone card, uh, caught this one. Joseph Hicks picking up a win over Antonio Todd uh, in an eight-rounder. Uh, Todd giving him some decent work, but Joseph Hicks just uh, clearly the more uh, polished fighter, deep amateur background with this uh, with this young man. Uh, and uh, Steve Antonio Todd, despite his record coming in at fourteen and seven, had defeated Hugo Santino, been the distance with a number of good fighters. So um, for young Mister Hicks, seventh win of his career, not a bad W. Oh, no, I think that's a very good one, actually. The commentary were quite, not really scathing, but they weren't that fussed on Todd. They said he was very flat-footed and he was um, he had a bit of ambition once in his career. But this one, I think he kind of maybe felt the power of Hicks, who was 7-0 and with five knockouts now. And he's quite tall for the weight as well. And I think Todd just felt, oh, I'm just going to go the distance here. He lost every round and every scorecard, went the eight rounds. As you said, he knocked out, um, or he defeated Hugo Centeno, which is a good win. And he took Connor Coyle to a split decision loss. I'm not saying Connor Coyle's any great shakes, but he is a bit of a prospect of um, of some sort of description. So, yeah, Todd's definitely a tough journeyman type. And 
good good matchmaking for Hicks. I'll be interested to see how he goes on from from this point onwards. If they're putting him in against guys like Todd, who can cause a bit of an upset, uh, you know, in his seventh fight, they definitely well they need to move Hicks on. He is twenty nine. You said he, he stayed amateur for a long time and. I didn't quite make the Olympics and that, but now it's time to move on as a pro. And yeah, the crowd seemed to enjoy his performance and uh, good luck to him, I say. Yeah, he uh, he did well enough in that uh, in that affair. It'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. There was some decent talent on this Salita card. Um, Salita seems to have, he has a few good fighters there. Steve, for something interesting that I saw regarding him in his stable is that Otto Wallen is going to be a free mm. agent uh, very soon there. So I'm kind of curious where big Otto will land. Um, I, I worry that he, it wasn't Salita's fault. He's not getting the big fights. It's just that he's high risk, low reward. I, I kind of think that's what's left him out in the darkness. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well, actually. You you picked up on the same thing as me, but I think maybe being with Salita probably wasn't helping in that he couldn't just push him over the line. And, you know, sometimes these promoters take things into their own hands and force them an opportunity, maybe get them an intercontinental belt or put them on in a decent fight and a bit of a, a roll of the dice, put a bit of their own money up or something. And maybe Salita's not able to do that. But we've seen Valin since the Fury fight. He has gone off the boil a little bit. He got the Brazil win. I thought he would really push on after that. And then he's like fighting Camille Sokolowski. A few eight-rounders. That old win he fought last time, the Mexican. Not really a great guy. And then got the 10-round win over Rydell Booker. A decent, I'd say a decent promoter. That's maybe harsh, but like a promoter with a bit of backing, a bit of clout. Even an Eddie or somebody would have been able to push them forward or maybe thrown a few quid here and there to get them a shot. He is um, very high risk, low reward and doesn't surprise me given the inactivity. And he always seems on the verge of something. He always seems on the verge of a big win. And why, why didn't the PBC take a take a look at him? I know they like exclusive contracts. They don't like dealing with people. With Salitas there in the background, maybe Al Heyman, whoever thought, no, we, we want him exclusively or not at all. And I think it's best for his career to, to move on from Salita and hopefully get signed with somebody else and, and, and get that big shot that he deserves. Yeah, he deserves one, and uh, we really appreciate the interview too. I, I, I just, uh, I like mm -hmm. Otto. I, I'm, I'm fond of him. I think he's a good and decent guy. Would like to see something good come his way. Uh, someone who I don't think anything good is coming their way, considering what I saw on Thursday night, is Eric Bazinian, who uh, got knocked around the ring uh, at different moments by a smaller fighter once again. This one, uh, Jose Maciel Macias. Uh, Andy, I, I think for this super middleweight, the end is nigh. He is rapidly approaching that ceiling. And the first time I think he's going in there with a legitimate 168 pounder, uh, oh, with just a bit of dig about him. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be not the game over for Mr. Bazinian. How did you score it by? We just out of curiosity. I thought that was close and they've got two cards here. I think they gave the, 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 the way fighter two rounds possibly. Yeah. yeah 98, thought, 92, two of them. Yeah. I thought those scorecards were very unfair. Uh, definitely. We saw a lot of bad judging in these. Uh, we only got a couple of cards, bad judging all around. Yeah. Um, 98, 92, absolutely out of bounds. I also thought 97, 93 was wide. I thought that there were a few swing rounds in there, but this is one of those fights that was a draw or 6-4 the other direction. And I think yeah. went that away from that, you're kind of looking the wrong way. I thought it was honestly about a draw, give or take. I, I But this, uh, I don't think the decision was fair. And, uh, you know, Masias, I mean, he just, but just beat the crap out of him in that seventh round. Yeah, as you say, and obviously they badly, badly hurt him, didn't they, as well? Um, 
I think probably the last four or five rounds actually. I thought uh, Bazinian was taking a bit of, bit of beating to be fair. Um, of course, I had a quick look at the rankings and that as well to see where he was at, and he is quite, quite highly ranked. And as you say, once once the time comes, obviously the belts are all tied up at the minute. Whenever can, he's can you comes imagine in oh. Billy against him? I I, I think that oh, they're both man, Canadians. No. That could happen, and Billy would just wreck him. Nah, they're both in the same stable, and I think they're trying to push them both up, aren't they, through the rankings in, se- in separate directions? It's in their interest. To, they're going to cash Bazinian out now, surely. I would say, under. Yeah, um, what age is he? Must be in his late twenties now. Anyway, I'm just mm. I'm just pulling the rankings. I'm trying to see. You know, obviously you've got you got Canelo as the champ, so that's not going to happen. Twenty eight. He's twenty eight. So they should just cash him out against him, Billy. Then I mean, they don't have to struggle to make the fight. You know, they're they're basically admitting what needs to happen to him. Like, hey, sink or swim, buddy. The only one I can see really would be Diego Pacheco, who's and you know appear on a Sky card. I think he might be a free agent, possibly. Not yeah, he was. He was. I thought he was the zombie. You might. Yeah, you Eddie might... had him signed, didn't he? I think they just. He, didn't, didn't he just sign a, a contract extension with Eddie? Oh, I did he? he? I think so. He definitely yeah. fought in the UK. At least I, I remember that. Yeah, he fought. Um, uh, Kurt, not uh, what do you call him? Not Colkai, Jack Cullen. Cullen. Yeah. Right. Did he season. end up headlining a card because someone got knocked off, uh, got hurt, or the, the fight was knocked off the billing? Just a few months ago in the UK, and it just ended up Diego Pacheco had like, yeah, it was that card. I can't remember who fell off it now. Uh, so, anyhow, aye, so see, it was, it was, I thought it was a competitive fight, definitely close. As you, I agree with what you're saying, it was probably like, it's either a draw or potentially Masias, you know, the other way by maybe a couple. Uh, Brazilian bad, well, no badly hurt, but it was definitely rocked backing off. And I thought, as I say, he was taking a wee bit of, bit of beating toward the back half of that fight. and you know, both had the, had their moments in that as well, where they were just basically trading it and banging it out in that as well. But I agree with you. I, I just don't see Brazilian being a force any way, shape or form, actually. It's a middleweight, to be fair. I know he spent a few parts of his early half of his career at late heavyweight. Maybe the better move would be to try and get done, possibly, if he can make it to 160. But no, I think the, uh, the ending will be near uh, at some point in the near future. Um whether he gets a title fight or no, mate, I just think it's um, one of the one of the contenders. I think could take him out as well. Um, I just didn't rate the guy. Nothing, nothing was really, you know, nothing, nothing springs out to you when you when you watch this guy. Um, so yeah, he he still he still convinced a lot of people in that, but he certainly convinced the judges last night to give him nine rounds. Sorry, uh, eight rounds out of ten. So uh, at least at least he managed to do that. At least. Yeah, he's got that going for him. Uh... I'll tell you what, Steve, what I worry about, like, and they're trying to stack the deck for this guy, too. I mean, they, they had a very small ring. They're bringing in a guy who's uh, fought most of his career down at 154 pounds. You know, so they're thinking, yeah, we're just going to, you know, set this up so we can just walk this guy down and, and get him out of there. But instead of that happening, you have the smaller guy ends up walking him down in the small ring. Uh, it's just, um, and, you know, the the judging was obviously tilted his direction as well. Um, they're doing this guy all the favors in the world and obviously just setting him up to fail. Um, good fight, though. If the cards weren't what they were, Steve, I thought this was all in all a very entertaining fight. Oh, yeah, it was an entertaining fight. Bazinian's going to be an entertaining fight because he's very basic. The writing was on the wall kind of for him. I've seen this in his last few fights that he's been struggling. It felt like they've sort of taken him back a little bit. I know they're holding on to him because he's number two in a couple of the ranking bodies, maybe top five in the other one. So they're really trying to keep him ticking over at the moment and trying to get him some kind of shot, whether it's a vacant shot or maybe um, 
a, def- a mandatory defence against somebody. But this Masias has been brought over to Canada before and he's definitely upset people in the past. And he's a very tough guy and he can punch a little bit too. But in his last couple of fights, Bazinian, I watched the Caceres fight because I kind of got used to these Thursday evening cards. I'm actually quite enjoying watching them on, a, on a, the next day, like on a Friday. And I saw him against Caceres. He did okay. Again, the scores are very wide. One ref, uh, one judge, sorry, gave him all the rounds. The other ones gave him 98-92. So he does get the benefits. Against Alantes Fox, he struggled early on. We, I remember we talked about this fight, as you would with Fox, because he's a good, tall guy, uh, long jab, always very strong early on. The fight fades down the stretch. And that's what Bazinian really took advantage of. Again, one judge had it 95-95 against Fox. The other two had it 98-92, which seems to be his requisite scores. But I thought the fight was razor close. Doesn't surprise me about the scoring, though. Masias is not going to get any favours, but it doesn't matter about the scoring. The story of the fight for me, as Max Kellerman would say, is Bazinian. He's so basic. He was turning um, Southpaw as best he could. He got hurt with things. He doesn't really show much variety. His corner were very angry with him. Mark Ramsey was shouting and screaming, just trying to get him through these 10 rounds as best they could and keep him ticking over. He was supposed to beat Masias Handy over 10 rounds and just keep moving towards the world title. But we've seen him now, nearly 30 fights, 28 years of age. He's well-supported. He is an exciting fighter, but he's an accident waiting to happen and they're just going to look to cash him out. I can't see them putting him in against them, Billy, because they're from the same stable. They'll like them to get separate shots, I think. They might go in against each other at some point in the future, maybe, um, after they're both lost or maybe after Bazinian's definitely lost. But yeah, he's he's not going anywhere, but they've built him up this far. They're going to try and get him a title shot of some description, but anybody half-decent with a deal will just finish him off because we've seen this coming now for the last three fights. I have at least anyway, and He's just he's just not great. Yeah, you can find it from me last night as well. I think even his trainer Matt Ramsey said the same thing that based off that performance, he is he is not even challenging Canelo mm-hmm. in any mm-hmm. sense of oh no chance. If he no gets chance. that shot, no chance. There is, that is that is that, that's a three round job for Canelo if he wants. Canelo ends up fighting any way he wants. Um, that guy just won't do actually at, at the top end. No, no, uh, he uh, he he just doesn't have it, and uh, we'll see. Uh, what happens uh, and how it ends for him, whether they feed him to one in their stable. Uh, maybe they put him in with uh, some uh, one of the interim tight lists or something like that, and uh, he can get a little payday and go on his merry way to the land of uh, poutine and maple syrup. Uh, also on that card, a guy who is clearly done, uh, Alberto Machado jumping up a couple of weight classes <laughs> to 140 pounds uh, to take on Steve Claggett. Um, only to find out that uh, he still can't take a punch there. And, and he, honestly, he, he looked like he filled out pretty well, Steve. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, it wasn't like he, he looked like he was, uh, you know, fat or anything at the weight. He's just done. You know, uh, what, whatever he had at one point in time is gone. And Steve Claggett, um, you know, and he's, a, uh, he's, he's on a good enough winning streak here, but uh, I, I, it's, it's so tough to tell. Um, you know, what his level is based on the opposition he's been in against. Um, got a good enough punch. He's a, he, he's a, a decent enough pressure fighter. But, I, I mean, you just look at the top of the 140-pound division. I, I, I don't know if he's got it. And uh, clearly you're not going to learn it uh, against a faded former super featherweight champion in Alberto Machado. No, um, Claggett hasn't got it, but what he has got going for him is that he has a great engine, he's a very strong guy, and he'll always give 100%. He reminds me of those kind of East Coast Boston guys like your Mark DeMorris or your Ryan Kielchevskis. At a certain level, he will give you a tough fight, 
But we know what Machado is now. I was actually thinking of the career of Machado, sad bastard that I am as I was watching this fight. And it was 2017, and this is the, the death throes of HBO, shows how bad it got. They really thought he was going to do something. If you remember, he stepped in against Jezreel Corrales. He was getting his ears boxed off for about eight rounds. Then he, he caught him with a shot. I've got, I've got the details up now. Machado was dropped. That's right. Corrales was bossing him. And then he turned the fight around and knocked him out. HBO brought him back against an unbeaten African, Rafael Mensa. He beat him. And then he fought Dale Evans, who had been a Roy Jones prospect at one point. Because I remember Jones was on the call that night. And he obliterated him in a, in a round. And people were thinking, oh, yeah, Machado is a bit of a puncher. And then he's one of these fighters who all of a sudden you see the kryptonite. And then it can't be unseen. Andrew Cancio, who was a decent fighter, a little bit like a Claggett type, a lot of losses on his record, done things the hard way, absolutely annihilated Machado to the body. Machado could always punch, but he just could not take it to the body, and, and Cancio stopped him back to back. And then ever since then, he's just turned into an absolute opponent, took a couple of years out, Fierro stopped him, and now Claggett, um, I think he dropped him first time to the head, then the second two times, there was body shots definitely involved. Just cannot take it to the body whatsoever, even moving up in weight. As you said, the probably thought he maybe put a bit of muscle on. He looked good physically. He is a puncher. He is dangerous. And he'll be able to trade off that name for another few losses. But yeah, if you're losing to the likes of Claggett in the third round, very much a Cancio kind of figure, then you need to think about your future. Also, just before I forget, another man who needs to think about his future is Thomas Shabbat, who was on the undercut. He calls himself the ghost. I've never seen a ghost hit so much. He's 9-0 and with seven... Uh, knockouts. He's got a mullet, and I have never seen anyone so uh, upset at losing. He won a split. Uh, sorry, after winning, he won a split decision over this Luis Balanos Lopez, four two and one. Shouldn't have won the fight. You could definitely tell himself he looked absolutely devastated at the end. He's he's another one who's been found out. So I am putting all my chips in on Wilkins Matau. I said this to you before, Matty. He's three and zero, two knockouts. Looks like an orthodox Juan Pablo Hernandez. He's eighteen years of age. Good amateur can punch, puts his punches together nicely. I've seen him uh, since his debut, all three of his fights on these Eye of the Tiger shows, and I'm keeping an eye on Wilkins Matau, so you might want to join me along on the on the journey there. And No no female fights this time. John Arobio was on. He can punch as well, Colombian, based in, in Canada. In Canada. Um, some good ones to look out for. I, I am enjoying, as I said before, these, uh, these Canadian shows. Fantastic. Andy, did you catch any of the rest of this card? I may... Um... Clag, as you say, he's, he's just destroyed the guy, hooks and uppercuts. Machado should definitely retire. Um, quite impressed with the young Colombian guy on the undercard that I've seen, the 19-year-old, was it Juan Orobo, I think he's called, one-round knockout. Um, interested to see where he ends up. I think he might end up at uh, lightweight once he kind of starts, you know, obviously getting up in age and filling out because he, he looks like he's got a, a bit of frame on him and as, as well he could put a bit of muscle on. So, um, who else did I catch? That... Is it Shabot, Thomas Shabot? I think some some are saying he was quite lucky to get away with that one actually as well. And uh, I think it was Christopher Guerrero. I thought he looked pretty decent. Um, big, uh, uh, I think it was five rounds. I think it was. I think it was other ones at Wilkins Matthew. He looked pretty good as well. Decent power. Uh, only eighteen. So Canada seems to be getting a couple of uh, youths in that through as well. So I think they two might be worth keeping an eye on that, that Wilkins Matthew and uh, that Joan Orobio. I think uh, they two could be up and comers in the next two years. We'll wait and see. You know, Canada is just so immigrant friendly, man. All sorts of people will find their ways there. I mean, you look at so many of the people that have uh, been big names out of Canada, and very few of them um, are, you know, native born. Lucian and if they Bute. are, they're first born. Lucian Bute was Romanian. Adrian Diakonu, remember him? He was a Romanian as right. well. The shark. 
Diagonu better be of his setup shop there at this point in time. Jean Pascal was either born in Haiti or his parents are from Haiti. Adonis Stevenson's parents were born in Haiti. Um, a few big Eastern European heavyweights at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it, it's it's uh, they're they're. I think Canada is going to have a hell of a decent fight scene for at least the next ten years. They, they got some decent talent coming up. So I mean, and like I say, I mean, you kind of got to look at uh, Better Beev as part of that package right now. I mean, because that's what he, but he's he's calling home. I mean, that that guy's just see. Uh, yeah. Sorry, on you go, mate. On you go. Sorry. Oh, no, no, you're fine. You're you're fine. I was going to say, Andy. see, see uh, the the. Yeah, the commentary was saying that young Colombian actually that uh, Matt Ramsey's his trainer somehow he said they came across some sort of amateur boxing link for Colombia. I don't know how he got it online, but anyway, he's seen this guy and this is how he's actually signed him. Eh? So he signed him right out, right out of the amateurs. I see that's his I think that was his third fight possibly. Only 19s, I says, and he looks quite tall for us at a, a 130 fighter. Yeah, it looks um, good. Him. So I, I don't know. You know, they're obviously as you say, Matty, they're, they're doing the research. They're looking the the continents for different fighters, and they're bringing them in. Russian, Uzbeks, Romanians, well, Colombians. That, that's the way. But was do it Oscar it. Rivas as well? He he he's basically Canada's, you know. He's, he's yeah, he's he's, a, he's he's a Colombian, yeah, yeah, as well. Well, I mean, that's the way to do it. That's why Samson Lukowicz has been so successful in boxing. Part of why he's so successful is he's had so many failures, but he goes to places nobody else wants to go for, to to scout for talent, and and he kind of finds the cream of the crop where he's at. He signs them if they have no one else, brings them over, and they sink or swim. And he's had some damn fine swimmers in the last 15, 20 years. Uh, I mean, uh, Sergio Martinez didn't didn't Luca Wicks have something to do with Pacquiao at the beginning too? I can't believe possibly Anthony Martinez. Um, right. But he, yeah, I mean, it, it's, and he's, you know, basically any fighter that's uh, coming out of the Dominican Republic right now is Luke Wicks on too. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, you take in these guys uh, and uh, it, it's just pretty stunning what they do. And it looks like PVC obviously has some, something to go with Cuba. I bet you that El uh, Heyman is like involved in, uh, you know, like getting people on boats and literally sink horsemen. Coming on over, yeah. It's like, well, we have your paperwork, bitches. Time to fight. Well, Lukovic um, always seems to manage to match them in the show box. Those show box cards that are me and you watch on a Friday evening. He, he always seems to find like a 14 and 0 Dominican and a 17 and 0 Puerto Rican and he sticks them together and he, he seems to have an eye for that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and really, whether the fight is billed as a 50 50 fight or not, um, those undefeated Dominic- Dominicans against the two lost Mexican man, that's a fucking coin flip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's a good, it's a, uh, yeah, those are good fights. And, and like I said, I, th- there's these guys and, uh, Whoever's doing the scouting for Eye of the Tiger, I mean, they're doing a little bit of that stuff too. It's it's fantastic. Uh, some of the, some of the comments are saying as well, people are starting to enjoy the Thursday night cards. That, that's probably one of the only the second that I've probably watched in the last few months. But I might keep my eye on on future ones actually, to be fair, because everybody seems to be saying that that, that yeah. is good action that you're. Oh, getting, I've been watching them. They are actually Andy. They are decent. Aye, so as you say, Matt, especially with the young talent coming through, um, it should start to pick up a little bit. Well, and you also have access to those show, uh, the pro box cards that are on, yeah. uh, come on YouTube on uh, Wednesday. So we're starting to fill our weeks with some cards. Maybe it's not top tier talent, but we're seeing developing prospects. Thing is, as well with those Thursday night cards, it's not rocket science. You know, now they're on a Thursday. You you kind of get to know the commentary team. You see the same fighters turning up time and time. You know what I mean? It likes uh, there's a bit yeah. of fam- familiarity about it. You can follow the people along as as they develop. It's the old fashioned Thursday night fights back for the ESPN days. Mm-hmm. Or they used to be Tuesday night fights back in the days as well. All right. Well, Andy, did you find anything else to watch this week? Was there something going on in Southeast Asia, <laughs> Eastern Europe? 
perhaps something at the prison canteen. There was not me. Uh, I was there was a couple of prelim cards and that, but a lot of the stuff uh, last night was like your German and a few Russian cards. But a lot of it was like subscriptions. Can they have a lot of prelims leading into it that were free air? Then everything else was behind the subscription. But your man here doesn't pay for it unless it's top tier talent like say Crawford against Spence. Yeah, baby, I'll be paying for that one. Um, so I nothing, nothing, nothing major, mate. I was actually at a loose end. That's the reason how I end up accidentally, as I say, is watching that that Canadian card. If it hadn't been for the fact that there was a quiet week with nothing else on, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Like if, it, if that Canadian card fell on next weekend with all the cards on that's happening, that I probably would not have watched it. So I'm I'm, I'm glad of that at least. Yeah, I uh, I'm just glad that uh, I am entertained at least three days a week in some way or shape or form. This week was the only one where uh, I really didn't get something kind of in the middle. I thought there was a pro box card that was going to be on, but no, it was just their one year review of uh, since their one year anniversary starting the, the uh, service show and some of the highlights, which was good enough, but I, I can only listen to Polly Malinaji talk. So, so long. And then they, they showed off the ring card girls in a really, really sexist fashion, but it was still enjoyable because they're hot. I, I don't know what to think about that, but you know, Mm-hmm. Good times. Well, here I just seen a comment in the chat there, Matty. Should we should we talk about the, the absolute icing for Christoph Golatsky and his MMA fight there at the weekend? I didn't did see, see it. I did not see his debut. I'll I'll, uh, I'll chuck it in the chat there. So let you see it. So, anyways, uh, Golaki is on is on his back on the floor, <clears throat> full mount by the opponent, and Golaki finds a six inch left hook or a left cross right across the guy and iced him as he's as he's sitting on top of him. Brilliant shot, mate. That's what happens when you get guys who know how to throw a lethal punch with like four ounce mitts on. It was horrific. I'll just send you to the, the new if I find it there. It's, uh, I stick it in. I haven't seen that either. I know what Ozzy was going be- on about it. Uh, it was beautiful. Just roughly about two seconds in. You've got to be quick to see it, but it's absolutely stunning. People all are like, right. what? The people, even like the MMA fans were like mesmerized by it. Says, How's he managed to get all that leverage on that shot? It's all saying, you know, you get the six inch punch, mate. Yes, look at that. A, lot of, a few boys in the chat there saying, Thomas Newman, what a shot. I, st- I still have, I, I just watched it and I never saw that shot. Do you see it? Two seconds. It's so no, quick. I, I missed it as well. I was I, I didn't know which one was which. I thought yeah, the guy yeah. on top was going to knock it out. <laughs> He just briefly left his guard and sunk that in there. Yeah, that was a, that was a hell of a shot from the bottom there. You don't see many people who are able to do that. That's a. I mean, you can't leverage those shots. That's, that's what I'm saying. I. I mean, a lot of people are saying that they've never seen anything like it. Probably I see since, it now. Yeah, it's like, was, it, was, it, was, it, was it Kevin Holland? I think the guy's name was. They were saying. I don't know how far Kinda, back that goes. I have to look and see how chinny that guy might have been in his MMA career, just out of curiosity. But nonetheless, that that shit doesn't happen. That's pretty crazy. So. You mentioned the future, Andy. So, so let's explore the future since since we got some time here. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna That's leave this. Time. I'm gonna leave this month, and I'm gonna go to July first, and and we're, and we're just gonna talk and see what's we got going on here. We got Jared Anderson is gonna be in uh, in action against Jean Kadabutsky, uh Kasabutsky. That's a lot going on there. Let's see here, and then we're also gonna see Mahmoudov on that same card. Uh, that same day is that uh, Franchon Cruz's Ernst Savannah Marshall fight I mentioned that I'm looking forward to. Also on that card, Steve Mark Heffron against Zach Chelly. Uh, what do you think about that one? With Chelly coming off that win against Sims. Mm, yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, Chelly's was a good win over Sims, so he's on the way up. Heffron, kind of seen him out boxing in the past. I, I'd say 
Chelly should have enough nous about him and boxing ability to outbox Heffron, but it's a decent domestic scrap, yeah. I'd, I'd just just when you mentioned that card, Matt, and you're talking about uh, Clarissa Shields, but there's a scene Natasha Jonas. Would, would that fight no potentially get made for the women's fight? Shields against Jonas. 154, obviously, Jonas is that, but obviously, she's come up and wait it, or if, unless Shields can come back then, I don't know. I think Jonas jumped a few weight classes to go grab that title already, if I recollect, though. I, I, and I don't know if Shields can get down to 154. Um, I don't know. Interesting. Currently, it looks like that fight's against TBA. We'll see uh, who they put her in with. Uh, the quote did say she will be at this fight. So, Manchester, get ready. Uh, you're going to have uh, not just Ranchon Cruz Desern, but also the quote in town. Uh, should be a fantastic time for the people of Manchester. Let's see here. Uh, the week after that, um, if he doesn't fucking get rhabdosis or whatever the shit it was, uh, going to have uh, Virgil Ortiz and Amanda Stanionis coming in together and Andy I have to tell you with all of Virgil Ortiz's recent health issues um, my um, slight hunch on Stan Jonas is going to become a really public lean here um, I'm thinking that Stan Jonas pulls this off uh, what do you think do you think white corte in that wicked jab might have a chance? <laughs> what cards us mate July 8th on the zone from San Antonio Texas July 8th. I didn't care where that card was so quick, actually. Um, I'm sure I'm away on holiday that weekend. Bastards. They probably couldn't fuck around too much with that fight getting pushed so much. The sanctioning bribe price said, dude, you got to get in the uh, ring. We can't keep yeah, I fancy Stanley Onis as well, actually, Andy, on that one, to be honest. And I think, that's, I think that's going to be the first fight of the new season of the Bro- Boxing Nutters Prediction League as well, Steve. So oh, anyone good, hoping to get into the new season... Um, why don't you go ahead and join us at Patreon and then Steve will help take care of the rest of that. We'd be glad to have you in the Nutters Messenger group, which is now over 100 members. Unless you're a wanker, in which case we wouldn't be glad to have you at all. Yeah, no, are you yeah, sure that fight's still going ahead? Yes. Yeah, I think it is, Andy. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was boxing news because I was just looking for it. Nothing, nothing's been hanging for it. June 8th. Unbeaten hunt. Well, meet July. Because yeah. it got rescheduled, didn't it, from April, the end oh, of April? It? It was supposed yeah. To, it, yeah, it was going to headline, and then they were going to have Zapata on it, I think. Then, we, the then it just it. ended up Zapata there, and everyone's yeah. like, well, goddamn. Uh, well, right. again, about that fight, really, for me, is it's just, it's, it really hinges on what kind of shape Ortiz is in, obviously, with this. Your previous illnesses and that we just don't know what it's going to take out of him and how is he making the weight safely um, and really that's it for me really because we know what Stanley Onis brings you know that great job good boxing IQ uh, good you know it's tough and that good you know tough body tough about the chin and that as well so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Stanley Onis win that uh, on points to be fair but a lot of it hinges on what Ortiz is uh, still got to that weight and whether he's whether he's healthy really you know yeah. Well, was it the appendix he had or something like that? His last. No, it was last... the rhabdo. What? How did? How's that, Steve? It's like rhabdiosiosis or something. It's some kind. Of, it, it's like a muscle wasted disease, is it? All oh, right. It's like yeah, Stanionis proteins in your body or some shit. Aye. It was Stanionis that had the appendicitis. Right. Okay. Yes, that was the first cancellation. January. Yeah, yep, that's right. Yeah. Stanionis had had to get his appendix jacked, and right. then this. And uh, but this is the second fight this, uh, that uh, Ortiz has had to pull out because of this rhabdo shit. The first one, I think, oh. was the first time he was scheduled to fight McKinson. 
Well, um, Matt Butters Ortiz is suffering from sanioisis, so that sounds pretty. pretty but dumb. it's his. What he found with his doctors, he just has. He has long term. He is suffering from long COVID, which is sometimes just people who have gotten COVID. It just it sticks longer. Yeah, he's just had long COVID. It's just suffering a lot of symptoms from it. Um. So, anyways, uh, is he double vaccinated? He yeah he so he got it and then he got vaccinated and then. Wait it, and then I think he, yeah. Wait till so, he sit. Wait till he catches Stanionis's jab, Andy. Eh? Oh, yeah. God. So it's right. yeah. That's and it's not a double jab either, mate. That it's um. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, Ortiz. That I, I, this fight, I love it, but I don't like it because I'm really high on both these fighters. I just think Ortiz is better suited to go to 154 at this point in time. Um, and, uh, you know, I hate to see either of these guys lose. Like I said, I'm real high on them. Um, but, uh, cause Ortiz is a fantastic fighter and I, I think we kind of forget that. Like you don't, you know, uh, I, I think he's a bit underrated and, and you also don't stop Michael McKinson unless you're a quality fighter. He, he's a very awkward customer and, uh, and, and Ortiz fan just handled him fantastically in their fight. Um, so, you know, him at his top, Stan Jonas at its top, regardless what the books say, I really think it's a 50, 50 fight. Um, I'm still looking forward to it. Although now I do lean Stan Jonas. I agree with you. I also think as well that one thing to keep an eye on Ortiz, it hasn't really come to pass yet, but I think it might do in the future is he has another one of these nuisance old mans, doesn't he? He's not like a Jojo Diaz or a kind of well, Teofimo Lopez senior type, but I think he is a bit of a pain in the arse. His old man and Ortiz is a bit spiky character, isn't he? I know he's blo- he blocks people on Twitter. He asked for some journalists to be removed in the past and he was sending abusive DMs to somebody, you know, so you can get under his skin and with him struggling at the weight and all. And if he was to take a loss, I don't think he would take it too well, to be honest. I think him and his old man are maybe a bit of a, a bit of an Errol Spence car crash to happen in the future if they fall off the rails. So for his sake, he, he needs to win this. Do you think the uh, the initials V or T's might mean something? <laughs> yes, quite possibly. It could be a precursor, yes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, that might not be good. We'll see, though. Uh, really looking forward to that fight, though. That one uh, roughly a month away at this point in time. week later, we're going to be back in Detroit. Alicia Baumgartner trying to avenge the only defeat of her career, taking on Christina Leonard Dartu, who, as you all know, was supposed to be fighting Michaela Mayer, didn't pass a medical back here. God knows what the fuck else is going on there. A good fight on that undercard, though. Uh, Andy, I like this one. Richardson Hitchens against Montana Love. Definitely favoring Hitchens in this one. I think Steve Sparks exposed some real mental issues in the game of Montana Love. Nonetheless, good fight between these uh, 140-pounders. Yeah, you're jumping onto cards I didn't even know existed, actually. I mean, I didn't even look at these cards until at least two weeks in advance. Who is yep. Alicia Baumgartner against who? Christina Leonardatu. All right. No, 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 Don't worry about that. She I, that's fought why, Taylor, that's why. didn't she? she? Didn't she fight Katie Taylor? I think, you, I think you are correct. But that's why Hit I me on Chicks We Dig, man. There you go. That you should join me and Joe Kennedy next time. But uh, Andy, mm. that's why I asked you about Hitchens against, uh, against Montana Love. You mm-hmm. might know something about that. Just because you've seen them both fight, yeah. Well, Hitchens seems see, to be a decent enough boxer, I suppose. Yeah. Say, when Love, you mentioned the Spark fight was that the the knockout. That was the, the one that was a DQ. It was a DQ. Spark had dropped him in the fight, and then uh-huh. Montana Love, like fucking straight up, shoved him out of the ring. Uh, you know, very right. flagrantly, and the the ref just went ahead and DQ'd him. Said, "Fuck this guy." So. Right, uh, so yeah, uh, and it was in front of his hometown audience, and those ticket sales were absolute shit. It was a truly terrible night for Eddie. I think we all uh laughed uh, maniacally, actually. 
Uh, even the Red. Um, right, well, I'll, I'll probably go with Hitchens with a safe bet and say I reckon he maybe won, won a decision, I think. Um, I'm just trying to remember the much of Love's previous fights, uh, to be fair. But other than that spark fight, which is kind of like, when you mentioned it, it rings a bell. Uh, really Hitchens will stand him on his head, Andy, but yeah. he won't finish him. He's very risk-averse, but when it comes to skills, he's night and day. Aye. Love didn't didn't fancy it against Spark, and he carries a little bulldog into the ring with him and all, so he's, he's got That's it coming right, to him. Yeah. But Hitch, Hitchens, will, Hitchens will absolutely stand him on his head, I think. I but I think he's got the he's got the height and reach on him in that as well. Um mm-hmm. most of his fights you know he's he's usually quite quite dominant possibly probably. So yeah, I, I would probably say he's probably a level above Montana Love at this point. But um as is you jump ahead of me yeah, here, Matty Boy. Um oh Andy Cruz is on that card. Interesting. Juan Carlos Burgos, a very, very durable fighter. There that's a good Cruz. fight. Cruz getting out of the gate quick right there. Uh, I Burgos uh, took on uh, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Davis, Davis in Davis's eighth fight, I think, something like that. So they're not fucking around with Andy Cruz. He's ready to go. Aye. Of course, this guy's went di- went distance with Devin Haney, Burgos, in the last, what was it, the last two or three years, possibly, I think it was. He's a tough bastard. He's, he's done now when it comes to winning, but he's, t- he's a tough guy, Burgos. Uh, I mean, obviously, again, it depends what he's what he's bringing in terms of you know, not so much longevity, but in terms of like, if he intends to kind of try and make a statement. Which at thirty-five, and, you know, what he's been doing over the last few years. I mean, you just look at some of the names the guy has fought, and that like, he has been in with some of the best. Um, Seriously, win, loss, loser, draw, one of the best resumes in boxing. Um, but yeah, well, probably for, you know he's got Hasegawa there, he's got Cristobal Cruz, Roman Martinez, Mikey Garcia, Devin Haney. And obviously he's, he's, he's new becoming like obviously the kind of filler for the younger guys who are coming up like Keith Sean Davis, new Andy Cruz Jr. Um, I, I mentioned to you guys in that as well. Obviously, remember the you know some of these Cubans are fighting on these uh, Mexican pro cards and that as well. Mm. Apparently, the guys are going to be getting paid. So uh, I wonder if uh, anyone's going to pick up that story. Actually, be interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm. One for brain, maybe. Yeah, one for brain, maybe even one for boxing news. So uh, yeah, there's, I'm telling, and I'm just going through these, and they might not, they might be news to you. So I'm trying to give you some reasons to be excited, Andy, um, and maybe Steve will even be like, "Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that was happening." But I'm just going with ESPN, which, as we know, is touch or go. You guys' stuff domestically doesn't get a lot of that stuff, so bear with me. Uh, July 22nd from Shawnee, Oklahoma. I think this is kind of weird. I'm God, that's kind of close. So I might have to go to this one. Uh, you're gonna have. George Cambosis against Maxi Hughes. And then oh. Keyshawn Davis taking on Francesco Patera. Uh, Giovanni Santion against Eric Bonet as well on that one. Also going to have Olympian Troy Isley on that card. Steve, any of that tickle your fancy? Well, I have a bit of an irrelevant story to tell, actually, about Maxi Hughes. I was, I was at my friend's um, 50th birthday party last night. Shout out to uh, Nikki. And I was uh, promoter, stroke manager, Mark Dunlop was there. Some people might know him from the Belfast scene. I was chatting to Mark all night. And we I happened to mention to him a fighter from Belfast called James Friars, who was very talented and he was under Mark's stable. And I said, I'm surprised he didn't go further. And he, he'd actually lost to Maxi Hughes in the Europa Hotel. And James retired, and Maxi Hughes from that point onwards just went on this crazy run uh, to end up fighting, as you said, George Cambosos in a few months. So it just goes to show guys like Hughes just keep on pitching away, never give up. He got that win, got rumbling back on the title scene, got the IBO title, and there he is riding high. So 
A bit of an irrelevant uh, yarn for you there, but Maxi Hughes, who's to say he can't go over there and give George Cambosos a right good fight? I don't think he'll beat him, but it's been a bit of a Cinderella story. I'm, I'm no, it's a home fighter. I, I like that idea. Like, eh, cool. yeah, cool. Maybe shitty judging will be part of the calculus. Well, I think as well that Hughes was one of these guys who he kept getting opportunities, quote unquote, from the likes of Eddie. But it was like he was set up to lose. He's due a massive fight, but Eddie kept pitching him in against people, wasn't it? Galahad, and then he put him in against that. Oh, that Strathon, was it, who beat Tennyson? And he kept getting the... Eddie would have just kept sticking him out, sticking him out, sticking him out until he eventually lost. So fair play to Hughes for taking things into his own hands and going over and uh, and getting this big opportunity. But, yeah, the point being, um, you, you have to keep going, I suppose, in this sport sometimes. I mean, look at us, figuring 500, 600-odd episodes later. You've got to keep going to get to get your just rewards in the end. So fair play to Maxa. Well, that's at 135. Still, so be interesting to see what Camposis comes up uh, in terms yeah, of weight. Yeah, good point. Good point. He looked translucent, didn't he, in some of his yeah. previous fights? I know Especially... he trains like a demon, but there's only so many times Andy he can keep uh, shredding it off. Like exactly, and he looked awful in that Haney fight. Like he had nothing in terms of gas, nothing he could change up. Max is usually good one too. Southpaw as well, isn't he? So I'm sure he's a southpaw, isn't he, Maxie? Yes, yes, he uh, is. Yeah, very, very high volume southpaw. Yeah. There you go. And Haney's a southpaw, and they gave Camposis. Every f- Haney's not a southpaw. No. Did you know? No. Oh, he switched southpaw. Sorry, that's what I was thinking. Sorry. Did he? Yeah. Anyhow. He was switched <laughs> up a wee bit. Sorry. Anyhow. Uh, but, you know, just a few short days after that, Andy, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to hop over to the island of Japan, and you're going to have an undercard fight on that one. It's going to be Rabisi Ramirez against Satoshi Shimizu. Uh, but that's just, uh, you know, the appetizer for a good one that we're all looking forward to. Uh, Stephen Fulton against Naoya Inouye. Uh, Going to be a fantastic uh, morning of boxing for me. Afternoon of boxing for you, I would imagine. Evening of boxing for the good people of Japan. But this is just a hell of a fight. Uh, and good on uh, the people uh, involved for actually making this fight happen. Yeah, fair play to both guys actually as well. Obviously, we've had the wee delay with the with the injury, like it was in you way or whatever. But here we are, but what six weeks away? Um, I don't. I, I really, I'm expecting in you way to win, and uh, I would I would be absolutely astounded if he was to come out here and absolutely blow this guy away. Actually, to be fair, Fulton is obviously he is slick, he's skilled, and that maybe just lacks that wee bit of power that in has got, and that's what makes it completely interesting. Because anyway, isn't he really um, great on the back foot as well? So if Fulton can maybe back him up, um, I've been interested to see what anyway can do. But you know, by way of getting it, but jab and uh, the left hook. If he gets him to the ropes, I think Fulton's going to have a hard time actually. He can't, he can't afford to be on that ropes for long. So you need to use his legs for a fair chunk of this fight. Pop and move and just do everything you can. You probably need to tie up for time to time. But, uh, of course, it's anyway, it's coming up in weight as well. So, it'll be interesting to see how he's coming up as well with, with the power, how, how it holds, especially the 24-hour rehydration as well, because you'd expect Fulton to be, you know, slightly bigger than him, possibly. So, a couple of wee question marks on that as well. But I'm going to go with an early pick and say anyway, but I'm going to go with points, actually. Um I see. I'll be astounded if he does it. If he does, if he does them uh, by stoppage, and, and does it clean, kind of like there's no like there's no jumping, there's no early stoppage. Like you always take a bit of beating when you step in here. I want to see a clean stoppage if possible. If no, by twelve round decision. Steve, I um, my my hunch on this one. Interestingly, 
the the books uh, favor Inoue, not not widely, but they favor him. Um, but if this was just a you know if this is just a good big guy against a good little guy, which I I think might be the case, I think you would definitely have to go with Stephen Fulton. And the calculus becomes even harder if you're trying to figure out, well, but is it a good big guy against a great little guy? But then let's just make it even more difficult. Is this a great big guy against a great little guy? Right, hang on, start at the beginning again. <laughs> I'm only joking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Throw anything. those breadcrumbs <laughs> out, my friend. Throw them out. Find your uh, way back. I'm going to say, yeah, uh, I need some string or something uh, to, to get myself back to base. But, um, uh, yeah, I think I, I said before, I just have a funny feeling like it's going to be a very close fight. And at the end of it, a lot of people are going to think that Fulton won the fight. But with it being at home and in UA being very good and a puncher, blah, blah, blah. I think he'll he'll squeak through on points. I think it'd be very close. Uh, Fulton's got a great engine. He's a big guy. He doesn't punch that hard, but he's going to be right there. But if he can push in UA back, it becomes very interesting. I know in UA is very good. He can, he can box and counter punch as well, and he's a very versatile boxer. And it'd be interesting to see how his power translates and moves up, but I just think that it's going to be a very close fight. Maybe one of those ones where some people thought X, y, X did this better and he should have won or... Someone else thinks the difference. Maybe Lomachenko Haney esque almost, but I have a feeling that Inouye might just scrape through. But a lot of people think that Fulton uh, did enough, and fair play to him for going over and taking the fight. Two proper fighters, proper champions, doing what what they should be doing. Absolutely, absolutely, and I am looking forward to this one. I might even ask the bosses for the morning off so that I can. Uh, definitely get enough sleep because <laughs> that's going to be a difficult <laughs> one for me but i'm all in uh this is going to be a good one super excited for this fight and that brings me interestingly into something interesting um and i uh i, I asked some of the guys to submit pound for pound list for me and i think i got everyone in here um i'd like to thank joe kennedy kevin patrick and nathan for submitting don't have a whole bunch in here but we do have a good handful um and uh we uh our pound for pound list is calculated at this point in time uh going to uh start at the bottom here and uh based on the number of lists that he appeared on uh gonna give number 10 to haney even though he was uh in a tie um with my system with uh kenshiro Chirashi and uh and uh, juan francisco estrada uh so uh interesting start there number 10 devin haney um uh, number nine shakur stevenson number eight tyson fury number seven arthur better number six canelo alvarez number five errol spence number four dimitri bevel Number three, Oleksandr Usyk. And actually, it's 2A, 2B with Terrence Crawford and Oleksandr Usyk, to be honest. They're tied. And just inching ahead uh, with uh, one more extra point, uh, Naoya Inoue would be our number one pound-for-pound fighter currently uh, with what I had submitted with the Boxing Nutters group. And I'll give him some more time next month. We'll, we'll probably do a, a wider uh, see if we go a little longer. Uh, get more submissions next time. Also, people that were mentioned that weren't on there, 
you had Jamel Charlo, uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Tank Davis was also on there as well, but didn't quite make the cut. And I thought maybe another one on there. Nope, because we had the AMV. I mentioned Taraji and Estrada. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts on that list? Yeah, I can't remember it all, mate, but it sounds pretty solid. Um, Estrada, I suppose, deserves maybe to be in the top 10. Um, I would maybe not have Lomachenko in the top 10 at this point. Um, Haney, probably, yeah. Uh, Bivol, certainly off the Canelo one. If you're going to have Canelo in the top 10, you need to have Bivol in there, possibly. Um, Fury, mid-half, possibly. Uh, definitely Spence and Crawford bringing up about three, four, and five mark, possibly, uh, wherever where you want to put them. Um, I would agree with him, possibly, anyway, uh, and Yuzik as well, maybe bring up the first two. Um, Yuzik, obviously, the, f- the only the only undisputed champion at Cruiserweight. Um, Ethan Holyfield didn't, didn't manage that. Unified champ at heavyweight, beat Joshua with relative ease, probably both fights. Um, and he's Try to make the try to make moves. Try to get either Wilder or Fury next. And that hopefully we get the Fury fight not Saudi Arabia and that. So yeah, I think that's that sounds pretty pretty much fair. Um, I've seen some rankings with, um, with Josh Taylor and Gervonta Davis in the in the in the, in the top ten. I've seen De- uh, Josh Taylor's high as number seven actually. Um, let me see who was that way. Ring Magazine. Uh, so I think I don't know if I don't think Josh should be on the list anymore. To be fair, um, maybe the top ten. Sorry. Um, I think once you get to 12 months of inactivity, you, you kind of got to get dropped. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. And so, I mean, to be fair, Errol Spence shouldn't be on there at that point in time either. Yeah, what about... But, but he does have a fight scheduled, so... Uh, would you agree with Lomachenko no being in the top 10, if I said that? Yeah, only one person had him on their list. Right. Um, so that so I, uh, I, I agree with you. He wasn't on mine. Um, I was with you with Estrada. Um, uh, he, he, I was uh, I, I was one of two people who had him. We both had him at eight. Right. Um. So uh, the um. I I think Stevenson in retrospect, I can't remember where I had him, and I think maybe I should have had him higher on my own. Yeah, because I I keep forgetting that Stevenson is now at the point where he's has um has three weight classes of work under his belt. Um, so it's that's a polite way of putting it. Three weight classes of work. He's won WBO like vacant WBO titles in two of them, and got no names whatsoever. I, I know I'm being facetious and mean, but I'm just saying like that's how that's how these people are calling themselves three, four, five, six weight world champions these days. That is an exemplification. Notwithstanding, Stevenson's a fantastic talent, obviously. What about Fulton? Would you bring him in? Was anybody put him in the top 10? Did you notice my... Nobody listed had Fulton on their list, but he'd be one of those people that would be like knocking on the door for me. Like I didn't have Tank on my list, but I think Tank would be kind of sitting right there too. Um, and then obviously about the Charlie, Jamel Charlo, but it's because of his inactivity possibly. Yeah, you know, inactivity, and he also has, only has the one weight class of work was one of the reasons I was thinking about that. He unified too. the weight class, though, didn't he? He did. Uh-huh. He did unify it. But a fair number of people have unified at this point in time. You know, it's uh, uh, so it's I, I almost think that in, in certain ways with, with the way that the unifications happen and the interims and blah, 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 that it you kind of got to look at it in full and in, in the way uh, that it happened. But he, he's got a decent bit of it on under him. Um, I think if it comes to um, 
what have you done for me lately? You know, he is, I mean, he's been active for a year, over a year now. I think it was, it was last May, beat Castagna in the rematch. I think it was actually. So the inactivity is absolutely killing fighters, first of all. But that's a side point. That's something that's annoying me. But um, people have different criteria. As you mentioned before, Andy did about people being inactive or um, winning fights at different weights. I think you have to take a number of criteria into it. But for me, really, it's like, what have you done for me lately? What, what are the names on your resume? Who have you beaten recently? Hater Dave always used to come on these. And I know he was trolling a little bit, but he would always have Bernard Hopkins in, even though Hopkins at that point was like beating the Shumanovs and the whoever the other fellow was who Schmoga pushed in the face. Murats of this world. He says, well, look at his resume before that. The, you know, t- tidying up in divisions, beating De La Hoya, beating this, that and the other. So people have different ideas about it. So you can either look at who they've beaten recently um, if they're on a good run, if they're active, different weight classes they've run across. Because, of course, the original pound for pound was to kind of get these fighters up to a certain level without including the heavyweights. Like a lot of pound for pound lists wouldn't have included the heavyweights. That was the whole point. There's so much criteria and subjectivity going into these. It's hard to judge, but they are they are good talking points. Top rank in ESPN put a lot of fate, um, stock into pound for pound lists, whereas the others not so much. Well, and I think the argument that heavyweight shouldn't be included is is a worthy argument because at heavyweight, you can't, uh, heavyweight's the only place where on, you know, the day of the fight, or excuse me, the, the day of the weigh-in, you can outweigh your opponent by 40 pounds. And, you know, it just is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. Uh, but, but at that point in time, you're dismissing somebody like Usyk, who is coming into the ring 30, 20, 30, 40 pounds lighter than people and and beating them. So the likes of you, sick are perfect for pound for pound, in my opinion. He's the epitome of a pound for pound fighter. He very recently, in the context of boxing, uh, swept up a whole division by beating a lot of good champions and one after another on the road. And then he moves up to heavyweight and he's off back to back or whatever it was, wins over Anthony Joshua, and he's got three belts. I mean, if that isn't the body of evidence over the last few years, I don't know what is. Oh, absolutely. Whereas Spence, for example, sorry, hasn't fought in 16 months. Where the hell is he? Crawford, I've had my issues with him. He cleared out a division, beat Julius Ndongo and got him as well. But he fights once a year, every year Yeah, exactly. They're completely inactive. Charlo, excellent wins, avenged his losses. And then you could say, well, okay, what about the guy who's won a tight, who's unified a division, say, for example, by going and winning like Usyk did, belt after belt after belt, off champion after champion after champion. Or then you've got another title holder who might have won one world title, and then he goes and takes three off somebody else who has gone and picked them all up together. You know what I mean? So there's all these different little levels and nuances to it. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to be interested about this list too. I mean, you know, everything about the nuances aside is come – uh, the when we make the the August list to hopefully do this uh, you know once a month with the boys is uh, we're going to have Fulton against Inouye to calculate into what we're doing and also Crawford against Spence so that's going to be really mm. interesting yeah. in in how that calculates and 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 like I said Usyk and Terence Crawford are tied in the total number of points um, it's just a uh, and, and Crawford was more number one with more people than anyone else. It's just that one person had Crawford rate, rated quite a bit lower than everybody else. I think they might've had him at five, six or something like that on the list. And every, and everybody else had him one or two. Um, but so I, if you, the main thing I really take away at the top level of the sport is that the, the people are seeing that they're basically being three truly elite fighters in the sport. That being Terrence Crawford, Oleksandr Usyk, uh, Alexander Usyk and uh, 
and uh, Naoya Inoue. So, uh, I mean, between those three fighters, uh, you got to say, yeah, like that's a decent argument to have, wouldn't you say, Andy? Like between those three fighters, which one's best? What was the three fighters, mate? Sorry, I just got distracted there for two seconds. It's okay. Inoue, uh, Crawford, and Usyk, because they're they're all separated by a single point. Well, I would probably go Usyk, Inoue, and Crawford. Personally. And I had it. I mean, I put up my list. I think I had it. Uh, Crawford, Usyk, Inoue. Crawford, yep. Crawford, Inoue, Usyk, actually. Is, yep, that's how it's I just because, it. I mean, obviously, again, you know... This, this is all mythical and there's a lot of debates and other things, but I put a lot of stock in a fighter who's on the road, who just wins it, but defends it and then tries to, obviously, then goes out there and tries to, you know, be undisputed. And He's done that pretty much since he's turned pro. He had a couple of uh, fights in Ukraine, obviously, before he started up in the class levels and become a world champion, but pretty much every, uh, every single fight for, for a title defence or to try to fight for a title, been on the road, I put a lot of stock into that as well because obviously, you know, a lot of you, you, you hear likes of Frank Warren that, you know, will, will do her best to try and get you know, home advantage, which is a big thing, you know, that type of thing. But this guy doesn't need different mentality, doesn't need the home advantage, just goes anywhere, fight anywhere. So I, I respect that. I, I, I put a lot of stock into that type of stuff. Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, see, one of the reasons going back to the heavyweights. The reason why I uh, was thinking about uh, Fury on my list and why I was one of the people that have Fury on my list is sometimes when it comes to the heavyweights, what I like to do is obviously look at their body of work and their dominance, et cetera, et cetera. What I like to also look at with them is if you make them some sort of an equivalent in another weight class, what would they look like? And, and I'm thinking, you know, like Tyson Fury, you got to kind of make him like a Tommy Hearns kind of build welterweight. And a guy that can move like that has uh, has the punches that he does, has the slick shit, um, knows, how to, knows how to be a bit of a big man. You know, you kind of got to imagine him, a guy rehydrating quite a bit on fight night kind of thing would be who he is. But I take that skill set and the and what he does and and that's why I have Tyson Fury on there just because the talent is so is, is so obvious and you know he's an undefeated fighter with quite with with a pretty damn decent resume at the weight. Yeah, I, I yeah I get what you're saying. I think it's hard. I haven't got the imagination quite for those ones. Sometimes you try I try to think what would Fury do if you were shrinking him down uh, to different weight classes or moving him across in different uh, eras and decades and generations to fight different guys. I think that's quite. That's quite difficult, to be honest. But uh, just picking up on one thing Andy said there, actually, I also would give a lot of stock to the likes of Usyk for going on the road. And I think that's a very commendable trait in a fighter because that makes fights happen, plain and simple. We see the fights we want to see. In a sport where people are ducking and diving outside of the ring as much as they are in the ring, and there's so many what-ifs and guys are retiring, oh, would it, it would have been nice if so-and-so had fought him or blah-blah in his prime and we missed this fight, we missed that fight. Just guys who will go on the road, take the short end of the purse in some cases, just be easy to deal with, no issues whatsoever. Went to UK, Fort Bellew, came over, Fort Joshua, did this, that and the other, goes wherever he needs to go. I think it's a comm- very commendable trait because it just makes the fight happen. It takes it out to the... Uh, the sort of realms of the mythical then we see the fights we know who's better than who and so people who do that like you seek um, a lot of a lot of uh, commendability to, to him for that absolutely you gotta love the road warriors of the world uh especially when they win like they do but you know even guys like glenn johnson you know i mean he fought mm-hmm. everyone everywhere 
didn't always get the right side of the nod, but but uh, if you uh, gave him a number, he'd sign on the dotted line and fly to buttfuck Egypt to fight a penguin. He didn't give yeah. a shit. Well, you see, so you see again the, the the body of evidence with these guys and the, the, the fact that they're fighting so so uh, often and fighting so many good uh, levels of opposition shows that they're not a problem to deal with, and they will make the fights that matter. Absolutely. I, it's what I like is just guys that that you know it's good to care about your paycheck. Obviously, you got to get the best money that you can, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the, giving a damn about your legacy and and the will to measure yourself against history, I I, I like that. It, it's it's sometimes that's that little just extra extra piece that a fighter needs to achieve greatness is to know what greatness is and want to chase it. Yep, hundred percent. Everyone wants hometown advantage and that, but. There are Andre some Ward. Oh, well, me. I didn't want to mention him because I know I go down this hole. But yeah, it, it, it was just it was just ridiculous. Everything had to be in Oakland. Everything had to be on his terms. He made a lot of good fights, but people had to make concessions. You know, and guys what? have been draining themselves down to the skeletal form to fight him, and he got away with a lot. And it was all because he wouldn't fight out of his of, of his hometown. And um, I mean, I don't blame him for that. But yeah, like you say, you got to look at legacy at some point, and his legacy was a fantastic legacy. But other guys. Just just do it that bit more for me by going on the road. Absolutely. And actually, I'm looking forward to it. I have it uh, on the good old DVR right now. There was a, a new Showtime uh, documentary released about Andre Ward um, that is on. And it just, I can it tell you right now, I bet that is the most boring. I watch it like, but I'm waiting for it to come in the trackers. That's the most boring shit ever. Andre Ward sitting there <laughs> patting Andre Ward on the back. Oh my God. <laughs> Cannot... Oh, it's out. I've just seen it, Steve. It's out on the trackers, mate. Oh, very good. So... Yep. Well, and also, I'm sure you'll get to hear from Virgil Hunter in there, too. And that's always exciting as can be. The, I mean, the yeah. thing is, to call it the Book of Ward, I mean, to actually name himself like after some holy writ, that's some fucking self-ego there, man. That needs checked. Big oh, come no, on. he's got the f- personality of a broken toaster, Ward. I don't know, interest in listening to him. As much interested I'd listen to watching him fight in the day. Dares made a good point there, I thought. Oscar was a pound-for-pound pound great, but he lost some big ones and got stopped with a body shot. But that's because he dared to be great and took on the greatest fighters in an era across multiple weights. Pretty much everybody absolutely 100% agree with that. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. Oscar, uh, for every bit of shit that we give him, I mean, he did absolutely uh, go after everything that he could. Oh uh, yeah, hundred percent, did it. Yeah, and it was, uh, it, it was wrong what they did to uh, Felix Sturm against him, obviously. Yeah, but, well, that's uh, true. That's true. And, and and to be honest, and and that's kind of the fucked up thing about boxing, right, Steve? Is you know, yes, there's money on the line, and everybody stands to lose a little because of the fight not happening, whatever. But you kind of save Oscar from himself by scoring that Sturm fight correctly. You know, he, that yeah. never would have happened. That he was never going to happen, though. Was it Hopkins had won? Was it Keith Holmes or Robert Allen or somebody had won on the undercard and done his part, hadn't he? Or maybe it was the week before, I can't even remember. And then the Sturm was, was a travesty. But, yeah, there was so much money riding on that fight. The, it was corruption at its finest. They were never going to give <laughs> Sturm, the unfancied Sturm, that, that, that fight. No, and and I think people are overrating Oscar and what his power could be like at 160 pounds too. I mean, he he was yeah. a decent enough puncher. I mean, and, and especially at uh, you know uh, below welterweight specifically, uh, really a, a very good puncher. But uh, yeah. you know, what once he was getting above 147 pounds, it uh, got a little rougher for him. Absolutely, yeah. He's relying on his speed rather than his left hook. Yeah, well, and he was you know also towards the end of his career, he was bouncing trainers real bad too. Do you remember that, Steve? Yeah, 
Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was moving from trainer to trainer. Chris Butler there, just quickly, Matty, put in a good one. A winky right, fought a lot of good fighters. I was listening to a podcast during the week, actually, with uh, Bronco McCart. I don't know if you remember him, Matty. He was a sort of... He, he, I think he you talk about another... You thought, yeah, he's another guy who fought a shit ton of different fighters. He uh, he fought Kelly Pavlik. Uh, yep, Kelly Pavlik. He, fought, he had about three fights with Winky Wright. Anyway, there's it, it an interesting podcast. I'll maybe put the link up if I could find it. He sparred in the early days of his career in the Cronk and all. He was like the white boy in Detroit kind of thing, and he was tough enough, and they all they asked him to come back, and he took his licks. But he had some good fights with Winky Wright, but he said that Wright was such a strong and very... Um, Consistent fighter, that thudding jab and really good um, defense. Actually, Ronald Winky Wright against Harry Simon. If anybody wants to see some good technical boxing, that is a real absolute one. One for the sweet science, Winky Wright. I met him in in Vegas. He loved he loved to bet. Did Winky, but he was an absolutely excellent fighter. Yeah, yeah. It was a shame when he uh, came back and he uh, he fought Quillen. Ah, uh, oh, yes, yes, yeah. Didn't he get robbed against someone else when he was doing it, when he kind of in the middle there when he wasn't fighting off? And... He had to go on the road for a while, didn't he? We had two or three fights in the UK. I think he fought Ensley Bingham, actually, at one point. And then he fought, wasn't it? Oh, he fought uh, the Argentine guy in France around that time. Oh, what do you call that Argentinian? He was a champion. He beat Winky. I think I'm sure they fought in Paris or something. Anyway, yeah, he, he's he was he was a good fighter. He had to go on the road until he had that sort of swan song at the end. Beat um, it was was it Mosley beat him a couple of times. And he beat he fought Trinidad as well and Sam Solomon and Taylor. Yeah, Taylor, he got he got a he got a rough uh, rough end of it against Jermaine Taylor. Right. Yeah. The, that, that, that was, was Taylor's first defense, wasn't it? Was it draw? Those yeah, draw. Yep. Right, I, right. First one after the two fights against Hopkins, maybe. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm trying to see where else. Yeah, he was a uh, he was on a good run there too up until that point. Let's see, he'd won every fight since 1999 when he lost to Fernando Vargas by majority decision. That's right, the Vargas fight with Vargas was IBF champion. That's it. Yeah, I forgot about that fight. That was a good close fight too. Vargas, I thought won, but yeah, it was a good fight. And that Harry Simon fight, he lost a majority decision. On well, that, that actually got announced on the night as a draw, I think. And then they went back to the change rooms afterwards and then uh, revealed that the scorecards had been incorrectly totaled up or something. I, I think that was the case. So uh, until obviously the, the tail end of his career, the only time that he at least didn't have a draw or a scorecard in his favor in a fight was when he lost to Julio Cesar Vasquez. That's in the guy I was trying to remember. Right. Where was that fight take place? Was it? That was in uh, France. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. And, you know, I remember when I interviewed uh, Dougie Fisher with Kurt, he said that uh, Julio Cesar Vasquez was one of the more underrated fighters of his career, of, uh, mm-hmm. of his era, actually. At the time, even though he finished his career 68 13 and 1, at the time that he fought Winky Wright, he was 50 and 1 at the time. Okay. So yes. yeah. I do vaguely remember him, not, not in any great detail, no. Yep. Then let's see. Then he lost the unanimous decision of Pernell Whitaker in 1995. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just a few a few fights after he fought Winky Wright. So yeah, he lost to Sweet Pea, had a few wins. Then he lost to uh, a Frenchman, Lornet Baudouane, I think. Oh, Lornet Baudouane. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And <laughs> then uh, then uh, yep, little another little run. Then he ran into Robin Reed, and it was basically all downhill from there. In 2001 for Mr. Vasquez, but he had a nice little resume on there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're losing, I mean, losing a sweet pea. I mean, is I, I don't think anybody, 
could complain about losing to Sweet Pea. I mean, that was just going to fucking happen, especially. I mean, even though that was kind of getting towards the end of, of his good times, I think he had uh, yeah. he had been on the the, the toot for a while. Oh that, yeah, like, he was spaced out, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> God, he's like, don't you wonder like what a sober Purnell Whitaker would have been like, like if he had just been like Floyd Mayweather, like I won't fucking drink or do drugs type. Oh my mm. God. Yeah. I haven't wondered actually, but now that you mentioned it, I might do. Yeah. So there you go. You get to think about that tonight as <laughs> uh, laying next to Mrs. Wellington, thinking you're dreaming about other women. You're like, God, who could sweet pea have beaten? Anyhow. <laughs> you got to think, I mean, it makes you a little dodgy on the heart, right? And that's got to have some sort of an impact on your motor. So Yeah, well, I'm sure he's not worrying about that now. <laughs> <laughs> Those de- <laughs> yeah, you just don't even have the energy anymore, right? You're like, ah, fuck, one's enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've drawn that out as long as we can at this point in time. I was hoping Rob might be on. Is he not here today? Oh, I'm all? not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest. He might turn up at some point, maybe to talk about the quote. Yeah, I, how could he not? I mean, I know she's one of his favorite fighters. It's uh, yeah, that's amazing. We've only gone an hour and twenty minutes, though, Steve. But uh, you know, what are what are you gonna do? So thank God, Steve. I, I think some of the stuff I might be able to catch on ESPN, but I'm I'm very happy. I'm going to be on my golf and uh, road trip uh, over uh, over the weekend here. Uh, and uh, I won't even be forced through boredom to say, hey, why not shell out $25 and see what's going on in Miami, Florida with the pay-per-view featuring such fighters and fights as, uh, let's see here, it's going to kick off, uh, we'll go with the first one is Ahmed Albiali, haven't seen him in a while, against Rodolfo Gomez Jr., um, Adley Rodriguez against Raul Garcia Jr., Reynel Medeiros versus Antonio Perez. Alex Esponda versus Andre Vieira. <laughs> Guillermo Rigandau, Woo! all 40-whatever-fucking-years-old of him, versus Julian Evaristo Arastule. Oh, no, uh, I've got him down against Charlie Clemente Andino. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. at least at least Puerto he still Rican, has three names. Oh, 12-0. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. oh, that might be a good underdog to grab there. But that, my friends, yeah. that's just the hors d'oeuvres <laughs> no, no, before listen, the main event. This guy. No, 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 you need to hear this what? one. This guy I that do? Rigo's fighting. This guy that Rigo's fighting. I think every single opponent he's fought, the combined win record, I kid you not, could not be any more than 30 wins. And he's fought 12 times. So they all have three wins or less? He, well, basically, oh, his last yeah. three opponents have had three wins, right? Three, five, and two. Okay. Zero, ten, and one. And zero, two, oh. and zero. 27, 30, 31, 31 yeah, wins. Yeah. 31 wins. So Rigo should be smashing this guy early doors if he's yeah. still got anything about him. Well, let's find out. Are you going to be shelling out the money? or you're, well, you um, Listen, you know the answer to that one. If I, and, and the thing is, but Adrian Bronner prop on this card, you expect me to be coining out my hard end if I can watch Mr. AB? What if you could? What if there was an option to spend like three dollars and watch it in crystal clear HD, commercial free? Would you shell out the three dollars, Andy? Nope. Man, <laughs> rough times there for Mister Adrian Broner and uh, his promoter Don King. Uh, the opponent, Bill Hutchinson. Um, I don't know much about uh, Mister Hutchinson. This is going to be over welterweight. Uh, no hope for Adrian Broner getting a 140. Thank God they didn't even shoot for that. Uh, Listen, I said, I think you should do, Matty. I think you should do for your parlay. 
see if this actual main event goes ahead. I wouldn't be surprised to see Broner pull out of this fight this, sometime this week. <clears throat> and by the way, do we know about the weight? Is Broner coming in at you know, AB's weight, any weight that he wants, or what? Is that 147? It's 147. There, there, yeah. Who's showing this? This is non that BLK Prime thing, is it? Or are they it, gone? It's a, it's a, it's on a fight TV pay per view. Oh man, okay. Yeah. I have no interest, absolutely no interest, and I, I and I'm, uh, I would follow Brona and like watch him for his <laughs> antics, but this opponent is absolutely dog shit. I mean, this, this isn't even going to entice me. I might not even watch this because there's a lot on next weekend. I'm not even, although it's Friday night, isn't it? So I probably will watch it on the Saturday. Well, I will have you know, Mr. Wellington, yes, that Mr. Hutchinson is on a winning streak dating back to 2016 that started with the once defeated Cairo Vargas. And how many faces? 2016, two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten fight winning streak, including against Eric Hall. That's not the old uh, Asians, is it? (laughs) Is that is that the no? It's no, is it? (laughs) Ten fight winning streak, man. Fuck. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, he's only fought once in the last uh, four years, uh, give or take. Actually, three and a half, call it. Uh, he, 2019, his his run stopped. COVID stopping him in his tracks. Must have gotten fat. Came back uh, in uh, January of last year against uh, 14, 19, and 3, Rondell Hubbard. Uh, going to a uh, six-round unanimous Elron Hubbard. On that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he was preaching the gospel of Scientology there. Uh, but coming into this, 22-4 and four with nine big wins by way of knockout. Never been stopped, has Mr. Hutchinson. Uh, so uh, Lost uh, his debut, didn't he, I think? Yeah, uh, I've, had, I've had many uh, other I literally fighters. do not know a single name on yeah, that guy's this resume, is, by the this way. This is terrible, this is, man. Even for AB. This yeah, is how far he's fallen. Don't you see? I mean, you would be spectacular, mate, and I'm here to piss on his grave. Don't you worry about that. But he uh, hasn't he fought since 2021 either, by the way. It's been two, just over two years since the great AB. The problem has been in the ring, and the problem is going to be getting flushed in the toilet very soon. I Was it Santiago? Wait. Was that the last time he fought? Aye, Santiago. Aye. Oh my God, he hasn't fought since then, right now. Otto Wallen fought big for as well on the undercard. And yeah. after that, it was Pacquiao that put him on his ass, and he hadn't fought for two years after oh, the Pacquiao wow. fight either. So, oh my gosh, thirty ages he knew actually. Yeah, so he's going to end up a light heavyweight. I've always said that he'd be a light heavyweight, looking all washed. No, he's <laughs> no mate. What's he going to be? Come on, what? Spin it. Tell us what's what's he going to be? Sucked out, fucked out, looking for the hand out. There we go. Close to it, mate. <laughs> Well, oh dear, he's only five right. foot six according to Boxwick. Anyway, why are we talking about this anyway, man? I, I, I can't get on board with this one, Matteo. Fuck, fuck the owl. <laughs> well, hold on, there's, there's more. There's more shit going on, Steve. We're warming up, baby. We're oh, warming up. All right, right now that that was the, just the Amush Bush, my friend. Um, or the Amush, hairy bush or, and the Amush Bush, by the way. Or, or the fucking Amush douche this time. Let's let's go with that one. Uh, let's see here. So we're going over to the zone. In the evening for you guys, afternoon for me over here. Again, I'll be on the road. Won't get a chance to catch this one. Damn me in my luck. Damn me. Uh, going to open up the card. Uh, well, uh, how far down are we going to want to go here? Let's go. Oh, Johnny Fisher's on the card. Oh, no, uh, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> let's see here. You got uh, Yusef Kumari versus Reese Bellotti. Chevron Clark against David Jameson. Uh, 
Then you're going to have Nina Hughes against Shannon Courtney for Hughes' WBO bantamweight title. Then uh fight actually I think could be pretty good, and the underdog uh, has a damn decent chance in this one. Shernika Johnson taking on Ellie Scottney. Uh, Johnson putting her title on the line. Scottney coming in the favorite. Uh, this sh- uh, this uh, Johnson, she comes to bang, though. Uh, her fight against Susie Ramadan was a real cracker uh, from down under. Enjoyed that one. Uh, but, me, but that <laughs> is all just in preparation for a 10-round war. Uh, yeah, you like to see the swinging punches. You better tune in from for the show from London. Gonna have Sonny Edwards against Andre Campos. Steve, your thoughts? <laughs> Same as mine. Steve, so many I? thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> my God, this shit, is man. fucking this terrible. This, this is, is Ed. This is Eddie picking up his cheapest <laughs> card of the year, man. It's cost him buttons to put this card on. Oh my God, he's making profits every fucking oh, year. Well, let's Ed. have a look at the opponent, Andres Campos from Chile. So he's got four knockouts. So it's gonna go the distance. That one isn't it, Sonny Edwards? Chile. I know the feeling. <laughs> Sonny Edwards is going to box the ears off him. So we all know that one. Uh, never heard of Shanika Johnson, although she looks decent enough on the box. Siobhan Clark is fighting against David Jameson. I saw David Jameson fight once in the short social club in Belfast. I know, she'd, she'd sort you out all right. Johnny Fisher's on there to sell tickets. He's in against a 7-4 and four guy. Mohammed Mustafa Ali. Uh, never heard of him. Shannon Ryan, Kamari, Bellotti, decent lower level scrap, sort of domestic scrap. Nina Hughes against Katie Healy. Nina Hughes is 5 0. Katie Healy is 6 0. And they're fighting for the WBA world title. So, uh, no, I, I, can't, I just can't get on board with this one, Matty, to be honest. I'm really struggling. <laughs> Andy, are you struggling as well, sir? Absolutely, I just said it, man. You know, when you were talking, like for fuck's sake, this, this, you know, yeah, I even look at that BT card for Saturday night or Friday night. Sorry, it's even, it's even worse. What's on that one, Andy? Uh, Mark Chamberlain against Marvin Demolari for IBF European title. Oh, David Adelaide against Imar, uh, some Bosnian grave digger, possibly. <laughs> um, no, it's a Serbian actually. So, uh, a Serbian grave digger. Um, who else we got on it? Tom Farrell, he's fighting a Henry Turner. I think that might be Turner's coming out fight because Farrell's obviously been over the, the course before and that, and he's picking yeah. up hell, he's not new. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Carl Fails on the undercard, that's a great name, isn't it, for a boxer? And his brother yeah, well, Ben Fail, double he be, Fail. He, he better fucking pause, better be positive for this card, then I tell you. But listen, I'll tell you what, mate, see, see, those, <laughs> see those two, the fact there's three cards on uh, over the course of the weekend. Sonny Edwards, his brother Charlie's fighting on Friday night as well. And there's another Friday night card for Liverpool that uh, Dennis Hobson's putting on. And I tell you, even though one's got the, the, the vacant European and Commonwealth flyweight titles, and like, you couldn't make one decent card out of any of those fucking four there, like like, like last week's shit. Chevron Clark, David Jameson, no interest in it. Edwards Campos, I can understand Edwards having this fight. I don't know if it's a mandatory defence, possibly, but they're trying to get the Martinez fight made at some point. So I can maybe see Eddie might have one fight there. <sighs> That Royston Barney Smith, who's on the BT undercards, decent. I've seen him fight a couple of times. Yeah. He's he's okay. David Adelaide's obviously he's, he's a bit of a banger and that, but yeah. you know you just need to see him testing and go up through the levels and see where he actually stands. Is he chinny? Is he glass? We don't know. Uh, Charlie Edwards, he's still got a he's still fighting Tom Bob Anderson at this point. No no opponent named Ryan Frag against Marshall Braithwaite for the Commonwealth Super Flyweight title. Mm, and then as I mentioned. Right. 
Yeah, but that's kind of like your lower level stuff. Flesh you an undercard that for you, but mm. you four cards across the weekend and that not one really worth your fucking time. Well, how sad that is. Let's see here. What else do we have going on that weekend that Andy can complain can complain about? Um, let's go to this one. Yeah, yeah let's go to this one. Yeah, let's go. Uh June 10th, Ontario, Canada, DeZone, evening stateside, very early morning for you in the UK. So you get to wake up and see this. Exciting times. Gonna be uh gonna what do we have on here? Let's uh start with uh Ricardo Sandoval versus Rocco Santa Moro, uh, 10 round flyweight battle. Uh, Mariana Juarez against Maeli Flores, uh, 10 rounds at 122 pounds in the women's division. Uh, Going to have Shane Mosley Jr. on a fair run, if I recall, against Demetrius Ballard. God, that name is really familiar to me, Steve. Munguia fucked him up. In the last yeah, Munguia. There you go. He fought somebody else as well. Uh, caught him in boot, wasn't he? Yeah, and uh, all of that uh, going to be uh, in support mm. of uh, Jaime Munguia taking on uh, the aging Sergei Derevinchenko, uh, who hasn't been in the ring for a fair bit, as I recollect. Uh, scheduled for 12 rounds at middleweight, should Munguia be able to make it? Always a question. Um, Steve, my feeling on this one is he is going to be able to bully this much smaller, older, now slower man. Uh, it's a fight set up for Munguia to have a good name on his resume. And uh, Durvinchenko does have some tools in there. He might surprise Munguia, but my hunch is Munguia by slaughter. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think Munguia is going to stop him, actually. So when we're saying that this is, might be at super middleweight or something, but it's 12, ra- 12 rounds on box wreck. Um, I don't think Munguia has a title, does he? I think this is at super middleweight, actually. I'm not box sure. wreck anyway, I... Oh, is it? Right? Yeah, I'm sure I was listening to an, another podcast and they were saying that it is. Durvinchenko has no business being up there. I know that he's been done a lot of his best work at middleweight. I'm pretty... Oh, I'm looking down his record early on in his career. He was sort of floating around the 165, but that was probably because he hadn't got to make weight or whatever. But he's a real tough, tough guy, and he's had it, he's had it tough, hasn't he, over the last few years? Fort Jacobs, Kolkai, Golovkin, Charlo, Adames. It's just one after another, and he gives his absolute all in these fights as well. Always comes to, to have a go, gets stuck in, never backs down, but I just think he's took a lot of shots. And Mungia is a big, strong, young unit. And I don't think that if it was prime for prime, it'd be, it would be a close fight. Probably would favour Derevchenko, but I think he's washed enough now, that Mungia, who seems to be on this strange career trajectory where he's like on the periphery of it. Everyone else is all busy fighting for titles and doing their thing. And he's like out there with Oscar having some kind of a party in between weights, can't make the weight. I don't know what's going on with his career, but I wouldn't be surprised like you, Matty, maybe come the ninth or tenth round, they say, look, we're going to have to pull him out because Mungia, for all his faults, he's, he's excitable and he punches hard and he comes forward. And uh, Derevichenko might, uh, he's took a lot of shots. I worry about him. I think that he might end up, um, well, I'm not going to say obviously, but I, I hope that he's all right. But he's he's had a tough career and he always comes to have a go. And one time he's just going to fall off the cliff and it might be on Saturday. Yeah, it, quite possibly. Uh, but, you know, a guy like Derevichenko, Andy. Yes, uh, going to be outsized, uh, going to be facing a big, high-volume guy here um, with uh, definitely with a good swing about him. But uh, Derevinchenko has basically cut his teeth knowing how to fight as the smaller fighter. Uh, he, he might have a few surprises in store for uh, Mr. Munguia uh, if, he, uh, if he has not gone off the proverbial cliff. 
Um, I think he probably has been off the cliff, mate. To be fair, I mean he's been in like the tough battles with Golovkin. I think Golovkin took took the what was was, was left his prime right out of him. To be fair, and obviously the the the, the fights that kind of preceded that actually Charlo and Adams fight pretty much proved the point. He's now almost forty, fighting among gear, who's obviously still he's still prime age, twenty six, twenty seven. I'm, I'm shocked that he's got forty one and zero at this point in that as well. Uh, it still seems semi-fresh at least, so um, I can agree with you. I think Munguia will, will win, but I would be, again, I'd be slightly surprised to see him get stopped. I think uh, Dermachenko is, is, is gutty enough that he'll maybe see the final bell. Um, so I'm going to see Munguia win some points, but um, I think there'll be moments in the fight in that as well. Even though I think Dermachenko is over, over, the, over the well a wee bit, I still think he'll have wee moments in the fight. Um, but I, I still ultimately expect Munguia to outwork him. Um, down the stretch, and I think you'll probably win it on points. Points, all right, interesting. Well, let's see. Well, you never know. There's so many fights to choose from. Be interesting to see what Mr. Kennedy chooses for the prediction league this week. Um, the mm, fiddly week, isn't it? Next week, there's lots of little bits and bobs going on. There are, there are, and uh, we're gonna hop over. The other card, uh, looking forward to the main event on that one. We'll get to a second. Uh, we're talking Saturday night, New York City. Uh, on that card, uh, let's see, a fair amount of stuff going on there. Got some uh, some uh, Olympians on there. Hen- uh, got Bruce Carrington on there. Uh, you also have Henley LeBron, who looks all right. Robson Concesau in there against Nicol- uh, Nicholas Polanco. Uh, let's see here. Damian Neva. Never, I don't know if I've seen him against Hellman Olquin. Uh, Omar Rosario against Jan Carlos Rivera. Jermaine Ortiz coming back in a 10-rounder against Humberto Galindo. Uh, Xander Zayas uh, taking on Ronald Cruz. Interesting 154-pound fight there for the young Puerto Rican. What are your thoughts on that undercard, Steve? Anything kind of tickle your fancy? Um, Zero. Yeah, well, I have seen that Neuber, Neuber, the one you mentioned there, the Polish fella yeah he's a bit of a plodder he, he stopped curtis harper in his last fight although harper finally turned up to the ring which is always a bonus con say so they always seem to be plucking him out don't they um getting him a few wins getting him back up to title level which he'll lose and then he disappear off again bruce carrington yeah i prefer abdullah mason i'm not that fussed on carrington i think he's a bit easy to hit at the moment henry lebron I saw him against somebody was it um no he's the other lebron wasn't it they put the two lebrons together luis lebron he beat Andy Vences in his last fight. I don't remember seeing that one. Xander Zayas, never heard of his opponent. Jermaine Ortiz, never heard of his opponent. It, it is, it's light stuff, Matty, to be honest, really. It's just, you've got the, the, the names on the left-hand side of the column, but it's just not matched up with people on the right that we've ever heard of. There might be a couple that surprise us, but at the moment, I'm, I'm not too fussed. Andy didn't seem too fussed either, but Andy. Oh, mate, it's all about the main event for me next week, to be fair. Andy, so you are excited about Josh Taylor making his return to the ring after I don't know, 18 months or some shit against mm-hmm. Tiafimo Lopez. Uh, he's uh, 99 problems, and a bitch is about half of them for Mr. Lopez. Uh, <laughs> God, and you know what? I'll tell you what. There's something about loose cannons, though, Andy, is that, yeah, they might uh, break down uh, maybe, uh, what was that? Uh, was it Oliver McCall uh, against Lennox Lewis? Um, is that, yeah, yeah, mm. uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you see that, or maybe you just see, uh, some freak going in there swinging for the fences and he catches the guy. Uh, mm. he's a bit of a wild card 
Uh, she was killing me. But he's a skilled guy. Yeah. I'll tell you in the interviews, Andy, I think Taylor is definitely more under control than Logan. Oh, I. Without doubt, mate. I'll tell you one thing about Taylor and that as well. I think he's more rede- he's rededicated himself. He looks more focused and he looks bang on the weight, which is the main thing. He doesn't seem to be kind of chucking it as well, you know, towards the back half of the fight week. He seems to be, you know, banging the mood for it. I was, I was listening to some of the stuff, um, I think some of the, the, the more longer documentaries will be popping out this week, I'd imagine, for the fight. But I've seen um, a brief kind of like outlay of the, the big. I don't know what it was, press conference that they had, and Lopez is just talking complete gibberish, mate. You know, absolute gibberish. You know, this is what we do, this is why we're here. And, and Taylor's like, what the fuck are you talking about, mate? Just complete shit. And then obviously he's going on about, you know, his wife's divorced him again, and he's, you know, he's trying to take half his assets and half his... His mind just, just, just does not seem to be in it. We all heard him talking about, he just wanted to kill him, put a body on the record, all this type of shit and that as well. I just don't think the guy... Mentally, as 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 there at this point, and it's probably a bad thing to say, but he's got too many people in his ear. He's got too many mouths to feed. He's the main breadwinner of the family. He's gone through a massive upheaval in his personal life. He's got a kid to this woman that he doesn't get to see, and a guy like Taylor, mate, I'm telling you, he's a he's a he's a bad man. He's a nasty dude when he wants to be, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see Taylor come in the cunt this week and start mentioning the wife and start mentioning the kid and all that just to get into his head wrap him up some more in it because uh, the more Lopez comes at Taylor and that, I think it suits Taylor's uh, style of fighting he's a massive 140 fighter Lopez he's just still trying to settle in at the weight and uh, if, it, if it, all he's looking for like he did in his last fight uh, who was he he fought in his last fight um Sandor Martin. Sandor Martin. He was, he was, he was lobbing in that left hook, looking for it constantly the entire night. If that's what he tries to do with it against Taylor Southpaw, he'll block that shot and go right to the middle with a left hand and catch him square on. Um, catch him with those check hooks like Martin was getting him with coming yep, in. There's that as well. I, look, that said, I, I still don't know about the outcome of the fight in terms of how does it end by a stop. I don't think it does. I think Lopez has got enough pride the belt, mate. He'll maybe gut it out to the end and maybe Taylor wins out in points. But um, I just don't like the, the signs coming at the Lopez camp. It's just a... Uh, just too many. There's just too much. There's just too much in the, in, in the shadows for him at this point. Taylor, if he got Taylor maybe at the time he was fighting Catrol, it might be the ideal time for Lopez. But as I say, Taylor's now got himself back into focus. He's changed camps. He's got a proper trainer this time involved. He's got a strength and conditioning coach. He's back to eating properly. You know, obviously, remember he was mentioning about going up weight. Uh, after he's the, the been out fight. of the ring for, for a True, year but and then a half it, with bullshit mate, upon bullshit. Well, apparently, he's had, he's, did you hear this one? He's, um, the foot injury he had uh, in the build-up to the, the, the most recent suspended catrol fight, I heard uh, it was that bad, he's had to change up how he trains. So he, he kind of go out running constantly all the time and up now. I think he's got to do swimming, basically. So the injury was bad enough that it's it's, it's forced him to kind of change up the wasn't how he it, trains a wee bit. Wasn't it some like a nasty case of like plantar fasciitis or some shit like that? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that it was it was bad enough for him to change up how he trains and that. So if if it's changed it up and he looks how he's looking, which is in phenomenal shape, um, I think it's probably been for the better actually. And uh, I forget the trainer's name for Liverpool and that, but he seems quite like highly highly rated. And Josh seems to be listening to him because I don't think he really listened to Ben Davis and that. You saw him, you saw it yourself. 
I thought he regressed under Ben Davison, and you could say maybe he took his eye <laughs> off. The, he could think Probably. He, he took his eye off the prize post after the, the Ramirez win. You know, he's made a big effort. He's won undisputed title after the the world, uh, the world Boxing Super Series and that as well. After winning that, he's maybe just took his eye off the ball a wee bit for the Cattrall fight. And he admitted that as well. But as I say, I have heard the injury was bad enough for him to change, change up how he trains. So it seems to be for the better, at least. So if he's managing the issue, that may work in Lopez's favour. Who knows? But we've seen Taylor take punches. We've seen him marked up. We've seen him cut. I don't think he'll be phased. Whatever Lopez brings to think. He's seen it all as an amateur. He's seen most of it as a pro. And I, start, I expect him strongly to win the fight. So I'll say Taylor on points. Taylor on points. Interesting. Um, Steve, for me, I don't think I can confidently make a pick on this one until I see the weigh-in and, and what the fighters look like on the scales. Um, I, I just have a lot of curiosities uh, about uh, how Taylor's making 140 pounds this round. Uh, we, we've heard plenty of stories of, oh, I'm eating right. Oh, I have a nutritious, mm. nutritionist, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're done at a weight, you're done at a weight. And it, it doesn't matter what they're putting in your, uh, in your mouth. It's just, you're going to weigh what you weigh. Yeah, no, I think that's an absolutely fair point. Uh, we're not sure where Taylor is at uh, physically uh, and equally. So I don't know where Me- Lopez is at mentally, or I don't know where either of them are at mentally. Andy made a lot of good points. Uh, I feel the no, same. I, so. I think we know where, t- where, where Tio's at mentally. I, I think of all yeah. the unknowns in the fight, that's not one. He He's a fucking nut bar who's got a 10,000 things going through his mind, but he's fucking mad. And that's the interesting thing. Like, I, that's why I disagree with Andy. I don't think this goes to the card, Steve. I think this is going to go knockout one way or the other. I think Tio's coming out there to take out his pain and aggression on something. And he's either going to land his shot or he's going to get sparked himself. Yeah, I, th- I think away from the ring, he's definitely lost the plot. He- he's sending out all these strange tweets and his personal life is certainly dissolving away. His old man doesn't help the whole situation. I think they they have this kind of toxic dependency on each other. They need to get away from each other, but it's never going to happen. And the ex-wife, man, she seems like a cold-cut woman to deal with as well. A brutal at ringside. I saw the footage at the time when after the Sandor Martin fight when Lopez leant over to try and get the sun. And she just gave him the dead eyes and wasn't for handing that child over, man. She ain't messing about that woman. I'd say she could uh, throw a mean knockout shot herself. But Everyone um... wants a Latina woman until you choose your Latina <laughs> exactly, wife. Exactly. That's like a L number two on his record, I think. But it, uh, Taylor's been badly inactive as well. He struggles at the weight, as you mentioned. Can he get inside and bully Lopez? Maybe he'll stand off and box a little bit, as he did at times against Ramirez. He has different strings to his bow. I know people don't like him away from the ring, Taylor, but in the ring, I'm a fan. I think he's a great fighter. I think his resume stands up to anybody. The, the wins and the manner he did them is absolutely fantastic. We were talking about pound-for-pound material earlier, earlier, and no one's going to put Josh Taylor in the top 10 pound-for-pound, but that run through the World Boxing Super Series or whatever it was, and then on to beat Ramirez was as good as, as anybody's done in that space of time. But as you said, Tiafimo will be pumped up early on, and that's when he'll be dangerous. He'll be standing off, throwing really hard single shots, looking to get rid of his aggression. Maybe have some success like Progre did, but Taylor will look to drag him into the trenches, and the later it goes on, that's when it becomes Taylor's fight for me. That's his portion of the fight. As long as he's rehydrated safely and the gas tank doesn't empty, which he hasn't showed signs of, to be fair, so far, even against Catchell. He was getting outboxed and he was under-motivated, but he was able to keep plugging away, which is eventually the justification for him getting the decision. So if he can maintain that work rate, I think that's when it becomes dicey for Lopez. He takes over, Lopez starts to go backwards, goes into his shell a little bit. 
and his, his shots aren't having the same effect. And that's when Taylor will close the show on points for me. It'd be interesting, a stoppage either way. I wouldn't rule out a stoppage either way. Maybe Lopez catching him early on with a shot around the ear or something, or uh, Taylor uh, getting to him late on. But I think the safe bet is points either way. And uh, Taylor for me. And I think it's better for boxing if Taylor wins as well. I'd rather see him do it. The tough thing is we, we've we seen Taylor pretty much against everybody at 140. And I don't know where he fits in the 147-pound division. I like uh, a confident, competent uh got his shit together, Tiafimo Lopez. I think it's better for him to win because there's some fights, obviously, that we haven't seen yet. Um, mm. Yeah, possibly. I mean, the fact they're fighting each other is really good, but it doesn't sound like it's really caught much momentum. I don't know if Joe Kennedy's going or not, but he might be one of the only ones who said they were struggling to shift tickets, and it doesn't have that big fight feel. You know, the way you hear a lot and you sort of get pumped up. It's kind of caught up on me. I mean, I could be the exception to the rule here, but for as... You know, bigger fighters it is. It is a massive fight, really, considering where they've been over the recent years. But it's their recent endeavours, activities and performances have meant that it's gone under the radar a little bit. So credit to both men and to, to Top Rank for putting this together. And I'd be interested beyond closed doors. I always say this, the likes of Bob Aram, he'll say this, that and the other to the microphones and to the talking heads. But behind the scenes, they'll know who they want to win. They'll know who they think's going to win and who they can deal with uh, better going forward and what they can do with and when the lights are off kind of discussions. And I'd be interested to know who Bob and, he, and his crowd are rooting for you. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting to try to process that in your head, who and what and why with all of these fighters, he's got avoiding 140 pound opportunities away from his stable. Um, Bob is certainly looking at some in-house opportunities down the way, but uh, I don't think see, anybody. Sonny, see, see, boss, um, you know, of interest, as you say, it is interesting. But can you, would you really want Lopez to win? If you if you could start the car for one fight in this fight, would you do it for Lopez? Considering what he's gone through mentally, just can he hold it together going forward? That's the question. I don't think he can, mate. I mean, you're going to put him in, put him in a, a situation where he might become the number one guy off your promotion, and he just can't handle it. He just cannot handle the pressure. No, no, I he's a. Uh... I, I think that at the end of the day, he's going to have a few good wins, but I think that uh, Tiafimo Lopez is going to be a going to be a lot more questions about what he could have been than answers about what he was. Um, and that's a shame. Um, it's also a shame that Rob's not here to talk about it because I know he has some very uh, specific opinions mm-hmm. about what he's done uh, with his training team uh, and uh, not treating Joey all that well. Uh, but that's well, I because story. it was Joey. Joey was obviously he was he was the or the Wasserman no, but he was a Sirland fighter actually. He he covered the Scandinavian fighters. I'm sure he done Brackhouse and a few other of those guys. And that was him. He came up with the game plan really and and yes. the tape to Loma, break down yeah. Lomachenko, yeah. you know. And then what happens? They decided to save ten percent and chucked him at the side, and they lost it. And he's fucking he lost his title in his first defense. So yeah, the expertise came at a cost. I agree with you, Andy. Actually, I know Rob said this before. I think Joey Gamachi is a good boxing brain, and I think that it was to their detriment they got rid of him for for skimping, basically. No, there's a question. Where's Joey Gamachi's days? Actually, I've not seen him. Is it still with Otto Wallen? <sighs> I'm not sure. He was in somebody's corner recently. I think I can't remember who it was now. Might I say recently? It could have been about two years ago. I can't remember. Uh, there's one for the <laughs> listeners and find where Joey Gamash is working these days and who he's working with. Where's Joey? Like, are we facing yeah. all the boxing? Where's Wally? Where's Wally? 
well, let's see here. I think, uh, let's see here. We got a comment here. Oh, let me pull this down first. All right. Got a comment from Marcus Bellinger. It says, hey, lads, hope all's well. Uh, pretty sure I emailed you uh, before about him, but Hayato uh, Tsutsumi scored a 12-run wide unanimous decision over Joe Sant- uh, Santissima on Wednesday to uh, capture the OPBF featherweight belt in just his third professional bout. Uh, the OPBF is an Asian equivalent to the European title, so no bullshit belt. I expect uh, Sutsumi to be in the featherweight uh, world title picture in the uh, near future. Also, the Ohashi Gym today signed unbeaten Filipino flyweight Dave Apulinario, uh, who's shown plenty of potential so far. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. We appreciate that very much. Yep, got his finger on the pulse on Asian boxing. I've never heard of half these guys, but occasionally he was telling us about Ken Shiro and that, and I know Andy was and, and some of these other guys, so it's good to keep an eye out for them. Hayatomo, only three fights, beat Santissima. Not really much of a puncher, but apparently he is highly thought of. So Yeah, he beat, one, um, two. yeah. He, beat, uh, he beat that Laszlo Alvarez, I'm sure, and possibly it was the World Championships a couple oh, of years right, ago. Okay. So... I think Decent. I got that right anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So I worth worth maybe double double checking that. I think it was last year he beat Alvarez, who I think I'm right in saying is also an ex uh, Olympic champion. One of the Cubans, isn't he? Alvarez. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I think he's also won the the worlds and that as well a few times. It sounds like a very talented individual there. Right. So, uh, you know, speaking uh, real quick, uh, we mentioned Teofimo Lopez. I said he might be a case of what could have been. Um, this week, oh, and I, this week, this week, I don't know if it belongs in the belly of the week or not, Steve, but, uh, Gervonta Davis, uh, <laughs> violating the terms uh. of his uh, probation, uh, and, uh, I think, uh, violating as far as he was either, uh, either his house, house arrest or just his area that he could be allowed in. He was meant to be staying at Calvin Ford's house and he spent, he meant to be spending there 90 days and only 30. He apparently was staying at Sheridan Hotel. He's an absolute dickhead, and I was afraid of this happening for his own sake. This was I said to this before to you guys, and I said it to Andy. This was a make-or-break situation for Davis. He's fucked about his whole career, and he's been on the edge of this. And this whole situation was discussed in the stories that we've heard make it sound a really you know, terrible situation. And they've got him through it. All the charges have been whatever. He's been under house arrest. And I says, right, this is make-or-break for him now. Let's see what happens. He's either going to go one way or the other. He'll either violate this and he'll be in the clink and we see he's going to go down that path or he'll, this will maybe be a shake of his head at 28 years of age and he'll go the pound-for-pound pound route and start clearing up and he's made his decision now. I guess we'll see which direction he's going to be going in. Yes, he uh, definitely is not interested in uh, in taking this golden ticket that was given to him by the judge and running with it, Andy. Uh, yeah. You know, the... The judge basically just looking at it is saying, give him a chance. We're going to keep him around Baltimore, keep an eye on him at different levels, uh, you know, through this period of time. Uh, It didn't say he couldn't fight or anything like that. It would basically would have just basically said that he would have to fight in Baltimore, which, uh, you know, would have helped the city's economy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, sometimes that's, uh, you know, play that role from the from the bench, I guess, if you got a chance. But nonetheless, I thought uh, I thought the judge gave Gervonta Davis uh, a golden ticket. 
in in this case. And uh, he, he basically just uh, ripped it up and threw it on the floor of the courtroom here. Uh, definitely a mistake. Yeah, and again, mate, who, uh, again, it comes to the, who's got to run, run, run about him, really? He's telling him, listen, dude, you can't do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. Right? You've got to stay inside for the next 60 days, then you're free and clear. You're free and clear, but he's probably full of yes men behind him and that, yeah, let's go here, dude, let's go here, not to be shit. And then that's what's happened. He's, somebody's grassed him in or he's got caught on social media, you know, posting his whereabouts and that's how they've picked him up. Who knows? But Steve says it's, this This is the concerning thing now, actually. When you start, you know, jail sentences and, you know, no, no doing as you're told as such, nah, you, you begin to worry because... This is the type of fighter who, I, every time I watch him fight, I'm saying to myself, you've got to keep this guy active because uh, you allow him too much time off, like everybody else, maybe like a Ricky Hart, and they go away and put too much weight on, or something's bound to happen, you know. Uh, it was like, uh, what do you call him? Johnny, Johnny Tapia. You know, loved to fight. Absolutely born for it. But when he was away from the fight game, what was he doing? He, he was, loved cocaine. Yeah, he loved cocaine. <laughs> he loved to party. He loved to die and get brought back to life. Hell, man, and then obviously you've had Davis with the hit and run, you know, the baby mama situation. You had the situation before his last fight with the was it his missus, you know, put shit in his toothbrush, all that type of stuff, and that. Whatever relationships he's in with, with, with women, that it seems to be toxic. So get away from the woman. That's what he needs to be doing in that as well. Fucking buy one if you want, uh, you know, for a couple of hours or whatever you got to do in that if you need to get your rocks off, but. Something's going to change, and again, when you when when he's got all the power, it's hard to tell a guy like that. You know, things are going to change here. Um, just, I just hope he can keep it together long enough before it does go off the rails, because I think it eventually will. Um, and we'll be left here wondering about like a you know Valero type story that we're wondering what if you know how good he could have became if he keeps going on doing this. Yeah, well, go- going off the rails is the key phrase. Like Chris Butler said, there he's only going to be banged up for two months. Don't think it will affect his career. No, I agree with that in the short term, but it's the long term and the decision making process. Yeah has not changed. It's not going to be this maybe, but it's going to be the next thing. I could be completely wrong, but it doesn't look good from a decision-making process. Well, and this is like always... three years too, I think, was like all the sentencing added up and stuff like that. He's got to basically yeah. keep his nose clean. Yeah. So he's got well, this little stay in the clink. What what happens if he makes a second mistake? What's, yeah. what's he the got course? away with one, like yeah. you say. This is, the, this is the thing as well, is because you know, the Great reputation... timing, Rob! <laughs> The reputation can go against him a little bit as well because you know he goes to the club and that type of thing. What happens when you go to the club? You're gonna get some pissed up arsehole who wants to test you. Maybe does a wee bit of boxing training, but an MMA stuff. Fancies himself as a bit of a fighter. You think fucking G Dog isn't going to be here wrapped up with fucking guns and Glocks now? Nah, and his mates on the fucking arm. It, it could only end one way. So this is the other thing as well: is stay at the fucking nightclubs, stay at the pubs. You can do all of that when you when you when you retire and you're fucking forty year old and your career's finished. Then you can go to the clubs. Then you can do what you want. In the meantime, he needs to have the right people around about him. I thought Calvin Ford had 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 a strong grip on him actually mm. as well. I really did because um, usually when you get successful young fighters and that who have been with the same trainer for so long, it tends to be as oh well they get kind of cast off and the fighter goes away on his own and that type of thing. But he just needs he needs a strong figure really to kind of say to him look. We're not doing this tonight. We're not doing this tonight. You know, this is for your own safety. But it just doesn't have the right folk, I think. Rob, right now we're talking about how uh, Tank Garcia or how uh, Tank Davis is just screwing up his uh, career, violating uh, terms of his probation. Looking at a couple of months in the clink. 
Um, are you worried that uh, he is potentially putting at jeopardy all these mouthwatering fights at lightweight? Not really, not really. I would have been a bit more so beforehand. Um, I think Davis is learning on the job in a lot of ways. Like um, we all know the story about like when that Mayweather made public because he felt he felt slighted, but he moved Tank out to Vegas and or LA and put furniture in a, in an apartment for him when he was turning pro and you know give him a role or whatever. And he sold all the furniture and moved back to Baltimore. On the night, I think at the Pedra- not the Pedraza fight, the night he had a very low key performance on the Lamach. Uh, I think Lamachen goes on that undercard as well. It might have been a Floyd Manny undercard actually. Had a very low key performance, petulant kind of performance in the ring, and someone, someone uh, had a member of his his family or his close friends kidnapped in Baltimore, demanding a ransom. So see, I thought he'd been moving smarter. We had the like the episode with the baby mama. We had like. He's had like Casanova two times, who's who's now behind bars himself for a fucking massive um, Rico charge, um, walking him to the ring the night there was a shootout in the Barclays and stuff. So he's he hasn't been moving the smartest, um, but I'd say this is probably seems a bigger deal than it is because I feel like they're going to get. I think feel like he has enough bread for a lawyer to get this thrown out and rescinded. I think they're appealing it, aren't they? They're saying that Calvin Ford's house wasn't um, fit for purpose. It's a one-bedroom apartment or something and that he couldn't be there or whatever. So I'd say, uh, from, what, from what I feel, I feel like they're, they're going to have enough money to make this go away. Having said that, that doesn't mean that he doesn't need to be moving smart. The same with Shakur Stevenson. Like apparently he was on the scene the night uh, your man from Migos got shot was a Quavo I think um, got killed yeah at a, Houston, at, a, was it? at a gambling yeah at a, at a street gambling thing and Shakur was in the background apparently with the shooter or one of somebody who was with the shooter or something so you know you hate to see things go this, this way but again I always kind of go back to like fighters aren't fucking brain surgeons or you know fucking diplomats or they're just fighters sometimes, like, and they need to be. They need the right people around them. But at that level, when there's that much money and there's that much people, you see it with AJ over on this side, even like so many hangers on, so many people not willing to give up their spot. That inevitably, what I would say about Joshua is he moved smart enough. I think he got caught slipping once and robbed, going on a booty call or something, allegedly. Um, but it's tough for fighters, and you got to stay. You like some of them on this side. I think are are better advised, or or they don't have the same kind of. Uh, perils that they can fall into but any of the fighters like if you come from um underprivileged background as soon as you as soon as you um blow up and start making money you kind of have a target on your back from people wanting to extort you people want to rob you people want to get something from you fucking gold diggers you know what i mean it's like it's it's hanging it's so sad in many ways but the but the, the the fact is and it's kind of one of the things I liked about Floyd is that he only wanted to make money and he's not really concerned with friends, even though he doesn't have seem to have any real friends. But those friends don't belong about deserting you when there's not nothing in a farm, you know, that way. So um, hopefully it doesn't end up that way. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. What I think is I think that Davis will be all right this time, but I wouldn't rule out something happening down the line, you know, the nightclub altercations, as Andy mentioned, stuff like that, if you want. Like in, in the preparations for Garcia, you've seen him in a wheelchair getting carried out of the club as well, like... Stosis drunk with charges pending, so was you, know, you never know. Like, you know, was you know the Super Bowl as well getting carried out in a wheelchair? 
Yeah, that was a, maybe it was a Super Bowl. But that was a, that was just before camp for for Garcia, wasn't it? Aye. So you know, he blew he balloons up in the way, and he likes a party. I don't know, like maybe he's enjoying. There's a, there's probably a thin line between enjoying the the trappings of success and falling down a, a bad path, like you know that way. It's a young man's lifestyle, Rob. That's the thing, and it, it catches up to you at some point in time. Tell me about it. <laughs> next, thing, next thing you know, you're married on a fucking boxing podcast on a Sunday night, and it's all over. You know what I mean? <laughs> <sighs> it's rough times, you know. What what could have been, right, right, Rob? Uh, before we move on into the bellies, I'll uh, give you a chance here, real quick, to get your say in on anything going on coming up. Of course, you got Sonny Edwards fighting Jaime Munguia as well. Fucking hell, I thought, uh, geez, that's a bit of a jump for some Sonny Edwards taking on all comers. Adrian Broner in the ring. And then, of course, uh, Josh Taylor, Tiafimo Lopez on Saturday night. Of course, Sunday morning for you. Yeah, all cool fights. Um, let me hold on. Oh, on cool. um, <laughs> go for it. I think um, Taylor and Tiafimo Lopez is the most. Aye, that's all right. I've been on that, no way. Oh, uh, Broner! Well, Broner's fighting. Has fighting a lot of fights. We don't know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> he's um, Sonny Edwards will be a routine winner. I think it's an opponent. He's just trying to stay active. Um, so you stick the fucking mortgage on UD Sonny Edwards, like on on the parlay there, Maddie, like for some certain fucking. Uh, no, you returns. know what happens if I put Sonny Edwards by decision in the parlay, Rob? You know what will happen? Or or, or yeah, some a headbutt, technical draw, some stupid shit. Well, barring any fucking uh, unforeseen circumstances, you'd expect Sonny Edwards to cruise. I'm sure Broner's opponent is just an opponent. That says nothing. We don't know where the fuck Broner is at this stage of his career, what kind of shape he's in. He's been making all the right noises, but he's been doing that for about seven years. I think I've been on the pod six years, and I think Broner's peak had come and gone by the time I'm on the pod, but yeah, he's still a fucking... <laughs> he's fought about three times during that period, Rob. <laughs> exactly, but he's a constant feature, so good luck to him. Like, hopefully this is the fucking rise from the fucking Phoenix with Don King to have the last laugh on everyone. Um, and I really want him to see fight Conor Bain and not Conor Bain out. That's the fucking end I want for Adrian Broner and Conor Bain, so let's make it happen. Um, like the trashiest version of Rocky ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, B, we did it. <laughs> Fucking um, Tiafimo and Josh Taylor. I expect Josh Taylor to beat the shit out of Tiafimo Lopez. And if I'm wrong, I'd be hugely uh, surprised. I think the wheels have fallen off massively with Lopez inside of the ring. And there we go. We can talk again about outside of the ring. There's him, 24 years of age, 23 years, he 23, 24. Uh, wife has divorced him. She's taken half of his <laughs> past and future earnings on some Jim Mosley shit. Um, not letting him see the kid. Now, I don't know what kind of a dad. He probably he could deserve all that, but that's like a massive mental pressure that he's dealing with. Then he has the family that he's feeding. He has his dad in his ear in the corner. Um, I think his last two performances, the one against Cambosis and the comeback one at 140, where he's saying, do I still got it? <laughs> Do I still got it? I, I, I really worry for that guy. I don't think he's all there mentally. And one thing you have to be against Josh Taylor is fucking mentally prepared because he's not going to leave any stones unturned. Like, um, he's due a big performance himself after inactivity since the catch-up fight. 
Um, he's staying at 140. The previous talk, he couldn't make the weight. He's ditched boxer size Ben. So I fully expect the best version of Josh Taylor. And I think the best version of Josh Taylor at 140 takes some beating, by the way. He's beating like Sir Ramirez, Baranchik, uh, Pro Gray, like a proper fucking bona fide world champion at 140. All right, should have probably lost the catcher fight, but fellas have off nights and sometimes there's fellas just better than you or a style better than you. But for the most part, you would say Josh Taylor um, is a better fighter than TFMO, or proved to be a better fighter than TFMO at 140. We don't know if TFMO is like at 140. We don't know if the power's carried up. He certainly doesn't seem to be able to have the fucking IQ to set the shots up when he was blasting out the likes of Richard Comey and that. Like, you thought the power was real. Definitely thought he hurt Lomachenko at box better than a lot of people give him credit for in the Lomachenko fight. But Cambosa's performance was bad. And the last one, he was doubting himself. And I just think mentally, I could see a quit here. Like, I could see I could see a quit at some stage in this fight. I could see him pulling out or make an excuse or something or an injury or something like that. I, I think Josh Taylor is going to stop him. So that's my Get up opinion. for the boys. Yeah, probably will, actually. Probably will. Yeah. Yeah, Steve, you were... did, you, did you get up for the... the what fight was it? Oh, what did I stay up for? What did I go up for it? Oh, Loman Haney. Loman Haney, did you stay up for it? No, I, no, I didn't. You said you would, actually. No, no, I didn't. I, I say a lot of things. He's getting too old. He's getting too old for that bullshit. I woke up when it was just over and watched it on YouTube, so I felt like I stayed up for. <laughs> I might get up again. Actually, it's on the East Coast this time. I've been getting up. I got up slightly. for. I got up for a few fights. What was the other one? Um, Darcy and Tank got up for that. Um, getting up all over the place these days, basically. Getting back oh, into it again. Have you changed your diet or something, Rob? <laughs> You changed it for the worst and drinking and everything. That was fucking unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Boss. <laughs> Bring on the Bosh. chicken balls. Fucking chicken oh, balls. Steve, please tell me we've got that video for Bell User of the Week. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, tasty. Pete John's <laughs> got a fucking message for you. Anyhow, I think I know what you're talking about, uh, and I am ashamed. If we are going to showing that on the podcast, but anyways, oh yeah, because uh, you don't want to drop the standards to this fucking podcast. No, no, you? it's uh, <laughs> this is this is a highbrow establishment, Mister <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that we have done about as much damage as we can potentially do at this point in time. Uh, as it was a very slow week uh, weekend here that we have just experienced, so I'm going to send it over to Steve for the value of the week. Thank you very much, Matty. Episode 526. Matty's here, as you heard, Andy, Rob and me, Steve, uh, Mark Stanton. <laughs> he says it was hard to get up for the Clarissa fight, which is a hard work. <laughs> yeah. Was it ref- was it referee stop contest or decision? <laughs> it was, it was, a draw, it, five in the morning. It was, it was in the chat, listen, it must, it must be great, like, getting the Bob Arms AJ 90 whatever it is man but it must take forever for him to bust or not uh, <laughs> hell. just like that one it's a hard wank <laughs> oh dear right into the belly of the week yeah I've got a couple of John Fisher videos actually hopefully I'm going to be able to play the one that Andy was referencing Ooh. off with this one that was sent in to me this week time to collect the Chinese and leading the pack was the wrong football closely followed by Big John who would be at the front if he could walk any faster. Then we have Joe the Punk Pew, who'd come along for the ride, followed by Spencer Oliver, and of course, Gareth A. Davies. Gareth was an enigma. He mixed class and elegance with rock and roll. For example, he only drinks tequila, but he always sips it. He drives a Jag, but always in a slow lane. He was living the high life and taking his time with it, and the high life had led him here. 
about to pick up a Chinese with Big John and Spencer Oliver. Fucking hell. <laughs> you used to wash that hair, by the way. Or at least run, 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 fucking run a comb through it. You know that I'm jealous, like, I wouldn't want hair like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've... <laughs> that, that's one of my worst. Imagine getting fucking stuck with Big John Fisher, the guy, and Spencer fucking Oliver. Fuck me. In some kind of crazy sketch that doesn't make any sense, by the way. Has anyone ever watched any of these fucking things? Stop fucking ruining the Guy Ritchie movies first, right? And another thing, actually fucking put some effort into the content. It can't be just Big John eats a fucking chicken ball every episode. Big John, I said, that was my fucking chicken ball. Jesus, who saw that coming? Not me, anyway. Fucking hell. Well, Rob. You preempt us. Well, actually. well, hold on. Yeah, on I, I Steve, I, if you would have played that video with no sound, I would have thought that uh, an old lesbian was chasing some bin men off. <laughs> off <laughs> Very good. Well, it gets better. I haven't seen this uh, this little TV sketch show that they've been making, <laughs> but I have been tagged in quite a few, including this one. This chicken ball is bloody delicious. Hey, big John. Hi, right, Gareth. Can I have a chicken ball? These are my fucking chicken We'll see about that. When Gareth A. Davis, martial arts specialist and elite combat warrior, asked for a chicken ball, he really should give him a chicken ball. But Big John had other ideas. Thank God he's got He's a boy. Little did Big John know, Gareth had trained in China as a Kung Pao warrior and his combat skills were equivalent to that of a Jedi. Fucking chicken balls. Chicken balls, yeah? Whoa, stop, stop! Big John was moments away from elimination, but Stone Cold Spencer defies the wrath of Gareth's rage. Don't worry, Gareth! I've got the prawns. Oh, that's all I ever wanted. John? Thank you, mate. You could have the Kung Pao prawns. Thank you. Give me one, Spence. Piss off. He mugged him right off. Spencer won. Gareth Neal. Bosh. <laughs> oh, the banner. Oh, my God. Yeah, what the hell is going on? I really think you should incorporate some of my Kung Fu moves. Oh, it's a fucking great idea. Since we're doing a big Chinese sit down, I am going to give you the Kung Pro pawns in the end, Gareth. Fuck it, man. Oh, do I have to fuck's sake, man? Jesus. Man, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's like watching someone cheese grate your dick in it, man. That's fucking <laughs> awful. What asshole Ow! is sitting in Vegas? What, what fucking asshole is sitting in Vegas with a big pile of money going, we got to get this guy out here. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's making people pay it's money to watch business, it. Like show business. Fucking hell. Uh, or no business. <laughs> Who's commissioning this? Oh, mate, I think they're doing it themselves, really. Eh? They'll, they'll, they'll have mates, so I can do this. I just... Yeah. I've really been getting into the scripts, mate. Uh, this week I'm gonna say, "Fuck off!" That's my fucking chicken balls. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. Method we'll, actor we'll, like fucking Daniel Day Lewis. Hey, hang on, Big John's doing it in one take. I bet you can't he buy class like that, mate. That's that's what that's he a does director. It in a few takes and say, oh, "I haven't quite got that one there." Can we do yeah. it again? That's a director. That's a director's dream, mate. Getting first takes all the time, you know. That's Daniel fine. Daniel Day Lewis and there will be prawns. <laughs> 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 Daniel D. Lewis, last of the chicken balls. Oh, uh, bonkers, isn't it? Uh, that, that's all the videos from them boys I've got this week. But if you want to send Big me any in during the week, you can. Big fucking John. 
Right, uh, True Boxing King's got a nomination this week. Uh, it said, if Terence Crawford beats Errol Spence, moves up and beats Jamel Charlo, hot damn, that'll be undisputed in three different divisions. I hate to say it, but Floyd Mayweather may have to move off that throne if Bud can pull that shit off at this stage of his career. Hashtag boxing, hashtag Spence Crawford. There you go, a hot take for you, boys. Does not belong in the value. Are you on board with this, Matty? Yeah. Really? Floyd I mean... off the throne? I just don't see why he's got to get everybody's got to get you know, debated. Just let the fucking fight happen. Yes, if 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 Crawford, because this is a two fight deal. I mean, I know this value, but I mean, if he can get two victories over Spence and then a W over Charlo, um, I I mean, you're that that's some serious stuff too. And if he does it by stoppage as well and continues his streak, that's I mean, it's something different. That's that's the LA one Pack, thing. First fight, LA that's the one thing, oh Crawford. That's the one thing that Floyd really lacked as he was moving up the weight divisions. Is is he kind of lost his spitefulness? But Bud still has that, and he has it in spades. So, tell you what, there's gonna be some tears on this pod whenever Spence wins. Well, you got Spence, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Spence, Spence, Spence is showing a wee bit of brutality as well, mate. I think uh, I'm going Crawford. I think Rob's going Crawford. Uh, I'm on my own. That's fine. That's fine. Um, to, to, I always thought from, from the beginning of the time I thought Spence would beat Crawford but I want Crawford to beat Spence um, so I'm going to be rooting for Crawford and I think at this stage if it happens I'd favour Crawford but back in the day I probably would have edged towards Spence I just think they're fucking crashing everything and the inactivity but anyway let's fucking let's carry on laughing chicken at balls yeah let's carry on laughing at the chicken balls the punch, punch drunk boxing I want to kill Josh Taylor Tiafimo yeah, Lopez. I want to kill Josh Taylor. They put a little asterisk in the in the eye and kill as well, just so it, it sounds a bit better. I took Loma's heart, but I'm taking Taylor's life. Hashtag uh, <laughs> broke ass asshole. All because uh, some fucker took his wife. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'd say they're welcome to her, to be honest. He's on the he's on the death trail. Mama Sonny told Edwards. You. He's Mama not gonna kill anybody any time soon. Uh, Eddie, if I win by knockout next week, can I have a follow back and a little, a little cry emoji? Oh, poor Sonny. That's a follow back from Eddie. That's, that's fucking great. No, he's fighting Eddie next week. For the banter. Eddie's all about the banter. Eddie loves the banter. So does uh, Con. Chris Eubank Jr., are we getting the fight done or what? If not, Ben versus Jerron Ennis next. <laughs> Make it yeah, happen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind fucking, seeing that. Fucking behave, man. Jesus Christ. Jerron Ennis. He's not fucking fighting Jerron Ennis on the PBC. Calling the shots, is he on a Dazzle cross promotion? Fucking he's, yeah. no, he's, he's no fighting Jerron Ennis in this life, afterlife, or any fucking former life, man. He's just no doing it. Absolute unlikable fucking Muppet. Like, he calls out people that are retired or on different networks that he knows he can't fight. Like, fucking shut up. He's calling out Amir Khan. He's calling out Manny Pacquiao. He's calling out Kel Brook. (laughs) No, he's calling out Boots Ennis. Do you you see the fucking big swing difference here, though? Oh, it's been the the prime end. Oh, Spence was the first one that he went after on his little his little victory tour when he was coming back, wasn't it? Yeah, you've been doing a lot of talking, Errol Spence. Fucking hell. The TK man, fuck's sake. Get him in with Bill Hutchinson, Matty, that's what I say. Well, yeah, well, you know, some Give him fighters, a Well, you know, Steve, some fighters call out fighters throughout the weight classes, and uh, Connor Ben likes calling them out uh, throughout all of the age demographics. Yeah, exactly. It, it's Ish. inclusivity and diversity these days, Matt. 100%. It's a modern Never mind world. them fights, by him. I want to see him fight Stanley Owens. Stanley Owens just needs one punch to beat him. Mm. Nice job. <laughs> pinging that face would, back on me. He would probably do to him what uh, Joe Joyce did to uh, Daniel Dubois. If you've uh, you, you ever seen um, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez work on the speed bag or on the peanut, 
That's what fucking Sanimus would be doing to his fuck. Look at me, look at that chin, man. He wouldn't have missed that chin. Especially if it's up ben in the air like that. Ben has a lot of with Marquez as well, don't he? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty similar fight. Lost his eggs, yeah. On the eggs. <laughs> Contaminated piss. Goblin piss. He's spouting. He's spouting. Here's old Isaac Lowe. Oh, My Twitter always get used going. A fast Tomino says, your Twitter makes me realise how privileged I am to be literate. And then Isaac says, just for everyone who put up a, a better fight up, me or Conlon, that for people who say I know world class and fair play to Conlon, he give it he best. And that's me not having a dig at him. It's just for you who know it's all out the. So that's uh, that, uh, decisively cleared up. Someone was saying who fought Lopez better, Andy, during the week. Uh, Conlon <laughs> or Isaac Lowe. I'll tell you what, Isaac, give him a good go in comparison. Like. Aye, but uh, did you see how you got stopped? Aye. Oof. It was brutal, wasn't it? Fuck him. He turned his back. <laughs> Diminished his vocabulary in one round. Oh, mate. The bastard got fucking re-scrambled. <laughs> re-scrambled. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently all the king's horses and all the king's men. Brutal <laughs> mente. Oh, my gosh. Uh, right, we'll be on to now. We have Conor McGregor. He's going in on Canelo. Canelo, you little ginger sausage. I beat you with no hands. <laughs> Don't forget. What? <laughs> oh, mate. He's on one. He's missing. Yeah, hey guys, I've got to laugh at me. So he's calling out that poor fucking true, true Jordi. I have no nothing about the guy. Amazing. I think he, I think he called him out. Anyway, you've got Michael Bisping literally calling Conor McGregor two hours after the Katie Taylor fight, saying he needs to get off, get off the fucking powder and get back on the protein shakes. He's making an embarrassment of himself. But he doesn't call it Michael Bisping because he knows what Michael Bisping would fucking do to him. But he calls it this guy's because he's got an opinion on a podcast. Who's he calling out, Andy? He calls it the true John. He said, Hey, bitch tits, estrogen head, you leave a bone victim with the yoke. Keep my name out your mouth, yeah. Something like that. He said, uh, <laughs> The Geordie who was in yeah, England back pussy, with yeah. Tyson Fury there before. Aye, aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, said to him, uh, You little. He goes, uh, you little pussy, uh, I fuck pussy, yeah? Keep my name out your mouth. Steve, see if you can get that one cut, mate. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get us <laughs> oh, that one. Put that one on me, just, just for the banner. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. I might have to... Might <laughs> He's definitely off his fucking shops because he was full double. <laughs> he goes, uh, what, did, what does he say? He was like... Uh, Estrogen head, sick of your little voice. Who scalded your face with a fucking kettle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I've seen it, Andy. Don't worry, I've got that one caught oh, ready. Man. Yes, yes, good I've already man. got that one ready. Before Bye. we do so, uh, I've got this one here. I thought I'd throw this on. Justice for you, Andy. Chris O'Wicky. <laughs> it's not strictly value of the week, but <laughs> men mobilized by the Russian army were reportedly sold to a mercenary group for 25,000 rubles each, $310, and told they would be shot unless they fought in the Battle of Bakhmut. The hundreds are, are said to have become casualties. Now their relatives cannot contact the survivors because they've been sold into sexual slavery. Just to <laughs> yes, told you. He told was fucking right all along. Like <laughs> Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> is, this is Ukraine now. This is the Hamlin Church now. now. <laughs> <laughs> I was all laughing about that. Like a real jolly topic. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake, guy. 
I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the it's well, actually, it's not really funny because they probably didn't want to be there in the first place. <laughs> it's like it's just been really downhill. Like, hey, you're gonna go fight your Slavic brothers in Ukraine. Ah, shit. Oh, hey, this mercenary group uh, just bought you guys all for you know, like the cost of a television. Ah, what? <laughs> uh, hey, what? All of you are now getting fucked in the ass. You can't laugh at someone else. Who can you laugh at, Matthew? <laughs> I, remember, remember my, remember my. She, it matter, doesn't it matter how how cold, wet, hungry, dead on your feet, dog shit tired you are. Just remember one thing: some other poor bastards got it worse. That's for sure. Yeah. So somewhere in Eastern Europe, there's somebody who's chained up with something in an orifice that is far less cumbersome <laughs> than a penis. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Still wonders for the algorithms anyway. I think <laughs> it's supposed it to be Bell you the Week, man. Sexual slavery is supposed to be funny, Matty. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? It took, years, took years for it. It took years for it to be proven. Well done, and, Andy. And he's like Nostradamus. He's got, <laughs> he's got sucked out, fucked out, looking for a hand out. And sucked, sucked out, fucked out, sold out. Oh. <laughs> so that's what happened to Sergei Rabchenko. Legs are sneaky. Here's a good one from uh, Dave Matthews. Tim Waddy tweeted out Hi guys, just spent £1,800 on a new sofa, only to be told it's a 12 week waiting time for delivery. Anyone know where I stand? And Dave Matthews said, I'd say the living room because you won't be sitting there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's Quality great. banner. <laughs> Quality Very dirty, time, still dirty to this day. <laughs> Eighteen hundred pound for a sofa sounds a bit cheap, though. Eh? Uh, fuck's sake! Put it again, if you fucking S and M. Not stepped to the yard anyway. <laughs> oh, brilliant from Danny Matthews. That. <laughs> oh, that's a good one from Derry. Yeah, Oscar De La Hoya. One oh, he says, Oscar. "WTF, Ryan Garcia? It's been almost two months, and you're still crying about the post presser. The blame for your loss is on you and your advisor, Loopy." It is the only one who pushed you to accept that insane rehydration clause, and that is the reason you lost. Man up, own that, he said, and he went on to say, also, you keep saying Tank's team offered more support to you, blah, blah, blah. Bro, they set you up to lose with that rehydration clause. And most importantly, Al Heyman didn't even show up the entire week. Actually, he never shows up. How's that for support? Fasker <laughs> on a totally normal one at the moment is, for the last few weeks. That's quite coherent for him, actually. Uh, I mean, this is this is off. This is also going off and went after the the Garcia will come out just before the saying the Pacquiao fight is definitely not happening because Oscar was, Oscar's been trying to make that a fight, eh? or he's been mentioning touting Pacquiao's mm. name for him anyway. And he's yeah, like, that's bro, right. that's yeah. not happening, man. It's not happening. Yeah, he's been trying to get that made for like two two years, and obviously Ryan Garcia is looking at him like one of the biggest fucking stars in the sport. You want me to fight Manny Pacquiao who's been retired from fucking fighting holograms and all. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like maybe thinking this is not a fucking great business plan, but Oscar's like, yeah, bro, I think really Manny would be the fight to make. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, kind of, it's fucking tragic Oscar's seeing Oscar that. like this. Like, I know we've said this before, but like, he's, he's such a, he was such a fucking great fighter. Like, and he's a wild dude on Twitter. He's like, thing is, though, Oscar... Oscar's want a wee bit extra money off that Pacquiao fight, right? And then also, he's want to see fucking Garcia put him in the grave because after what happened to Oscar in that fight. Oh, he's fucking bonkers. And do you think Not it says like... Heyman doesn't show up high and in heels either? <laughs> <laughs> or checks into rehab. <laughs> <laughs> 
when the night he's fighters biggest fight remember that he ended up rehab mm. the first yeah. night before see I don't like it I don't like this fucking Oscar the Oscar thing see see the clip of him when he was like shadow boxing in front of the TV and that jab jab man jab yeah. and he's like fucking his jaw's wired and your one's filming and all like, <laughs> oh, like Oscar like... man come on man fuck's sake he's loving life he's like Conor McGregor yeah he's fucking worse <laughs> Conor, Mc... Conor McGregor cannot stand in front of uh, stand in front of a camera to fucking shadow box in front of it by he just <laughs> he just kind of stands still it's all edgy for some reason <laughs> bit of nervous movement uh, Jack Catchell who next uh, night fight says Jack Catchell well I'd say so Matty I mean that's usually where most of the fights take place night <laughs> fight <laughs> Night five question mark. <laughs> I possibly. Uh, I, I don't know. It, you know, Steve, you you think that it, this is funny, but what if he fights in Dubai? Then it might be an afternoon <laughs> yes, fight good. for you. <laughs> yeah, he might be teasing us with an announcement. Absolutely. That's yeah. The, po- the poster looks like fucking fright night. <laughs> 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 That's like the zones done that, eh? But I tell you what, he's not going to fight any of those guys. Ah, uh, you wouldn't fancy who was it? Against who, who was it that, that fucking Rollins met him to fight next? And we're talking some. Ryan Garcia, yeah, yeah. Oh, is mandatory, but uh, yeah, um, I think it's Ryan Garcia, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't fancy too many of them against your man in the middle there. I'm not talking about Haney either. Subriel Matias, man, he's a flipping natural born no. killer, isn't he? Running with Puerto Rican uh, motorcycle gangs or something. Apparently, I was reading a point during the week. Oh, great bunch of ads. Oh yes. Send me that link, mate. I'd be interested in read that. Oh uh, yes, no, he's um he's he's a murders in the camp and all sorts. He's a uh? he's, he's a bad man, that Matt, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'd be yeah. interested to read that then send yep, it, yeah. No, I'll, I'll send that to you. Um Anthony Joshua, he's going off on one as well, making Oscar look sane. I don't know about any talks to fight Dillian White every day. AJ this, AJ that, AJ's hairline's going way back, but I'll still fuck your girl. Go retweet that. Oh. Yes, AJ into one. This is the fucking AJ we like. Yeah, this is what we need to know. This we don't know what he's saying in that tweet, but it's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> he, needs, he, needs that Mike, he needs that Mike Tyson attitude. That fuck you again on your pussy. I'm fucking telling you now, I'm going to end up fucking going fucking 180 on Joshua and he's going to be my fucking favourite heavyweight. I'm telling you. He's fucking... More of this from him, like, fucking ditch the PR shit, ditch the Eddie Hearn shit, let fucking AJ off the leash. AJ should be getting nah. the microphone going, who wants to go fucked in this arena? All, all, he needs is, all he needs is a throuple, Rob. If he gets a throuple, fucking... He gas it. He couldn't handle two women, man. He gas it. Legs are shaky, women. I'm heavy. Legs are shaky, Adam. He gas it. Fucking brutal, man. When they get the job done. But that's how he needs to start. You think he finished the job, man? That's how he needs to start doing it. Should have grabbed the mic instead of saying all that shit about the Ukraine. He should have said, so, Usyk, send your missus up here. I bet she dreams of a real man in her apartment every night. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, God, man. Did anybody catch his training video during the week there? He was like, he was, yeah, this big massive axe against us trunk or whatever it was. And he snapped the head right off and always go as his mates running about him filming it, clapping hands. I'm like, that is what's wrong. Don't need those fucking guys. Don't need these fucking camera tricks either. I'm always very suspicious of fellas that start wheeling out fucking uh, trees and chopping them. <laughs> <laughs> very fucking, very fucking suspicions about that. Going back to the old school ways of getting strong. Did uh, uh, everybody see back... you chopping these trees there? Go man. Going back <laughs> to that thruple though, Matty. I mean, he could, he could only last about seven minutes. You know, he's heavy, mate. He can't even last that long. Yeah, yeah. I'm a new. He's a new breed. He's a new breed of shagger, basically. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a new breed of porn star. I'm not like these 10 stone, 12 inch dick guys. 
Yeah. He's he's killing the algorithm. We've been shadow banned for fucking years. He's absolutely fucking killing this. This is the guy. This is the guy that YouTube is on red tube. Yeah. I'm down here. Oh gosh! That was one of the best moments in podcast. I was never going to drop that line now. What a what a brick dropper that was! Like Jesus, <laughs> what? The night Tony said he fucking it was Al Bernstein had liked a particularly titled uh, adult video, <laughs> <laughs> and we let me mention the title, and next minute Tony just fucking came out with. Well, I've done it, you know. <laughs> and then Annie was just like, oh, he tells his wife. His wife. Fucking Danny yeah. just fucking tells his wife. She's like, why is he saying that? We don't fucking know. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but he just dropped it right in the blue. Just, just like, he's talking about like, I'll barely liking this, this tweet. And then he goes, well, I've done it myself. Like, what? Oh, and then he, and he continued like, what the fuck did he just thanks say? For con- thanks for contributing to the algorithm, Rob. <laughs> well, I never focused on <laughs> did I? I did it, didn't you? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, Andy sent me. I did it in Danny's voice. They'll never recognise my Fuck those AI bots. Well, I suppose we play it at the end of every pod anyway, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Could be some reason we're getting. <laughs> oh, exactly. Shadowban. Fuck a Shadowban anyway. Fuck oh, awesome. Well, what am I uh, saying? I curse every two seconds. I would probably kill the other one myself. <laughs> <laughs> People whose real life is like the film Hostel love our podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, maybe this guy Tefimo Lopez Senior. Uh, he's he's a bit bonkers. Uh, let's see what he had to say this week against the haters. He reminds me of Garcia. Yeah, he's like, in a way, I kind of hope I end up like that. I don't think I'm too far off. (laughs) 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 Yeah, cute Jordans. (laughs) Yo, I mean, if I'm not 65 with a world champion son in a red tracksuit gyrating the fucking James Brown, the fucking big payback, what am I doing wrong? You know what I mean? Well. I don't know. You're you're gonna have to reintroduce cocaine to your existence if you're gonna get to that point. I think, Rob, that's just a hunch on my end. <laughs> Allow me to reintroduce myself. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> For anybody who was wondering about who to pick next weekend, there you go. We might have just swayed you in one direction or the other. Uh, that is all the ones that I've got. A shout out to Johnny Nelson there throwing in the uh, the solo <laughs> super chat this week. Seventy nine p. Keep the lights on. <laughs> oh, I'm going to refund that, Johnny, just to spite you. Thanks anyway. <laughs> What's that divided by four? And if you come on at nine o'clock, you got to remember the thirty percent YouTube. Yeah, minus the thirty percent. Fourteen p there, Rob. <laughs> Get about a quarter out of that, so 54 cents. About 13 and a half cents a piece, Rob. That's well, thanks, though, Johnny, man. Don't fucking don't let <laughs> the lights for it. Thanks for that, man. Mark Stanton <laughs> says that MTK money is getting low. <laughs> <laughs> Where were fucking we when they were laundering all the fucking dough? We could have been no, fucking out of here. People would say to you, oh, you're getting that MTK money, you know, sure as hell. I'm not every other fucker seems to be, but not us. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're, a bon- 
<laughs> we're above reproach, mate. That's the thing. We will fucking take any. No, we're yeah, not. We just boss. haven't been the fucking approached with anything <laughs> good. Speak for yourself, and <laughs> James Kerry boss, says. Speak... Technically, you owe YouTube money after all the deductions. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, what does it did? This in this local river. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Make me ask for a hand. <laughs> Right, uh, that's all the ones I've got. Andy, any from you, please? Um, not much, mate. I, um, obviously, I was going to put the Oscar one in. I thought it was pretty strong uh, the way he came out there. But uh, I just, I just got to bag on young Tio Lopez again. Just, just forgetting the, sh- just for being the poor, broke-ass motherfucker who's got his stupidity for his father, who was just seen dancing there like a fucking reprobate. Can he hide the fact that he's an arsehole? You know, he's. You remember the racist rants he went on in that as well, and he's got his father's mouth, and you know, probably congrats to his missus. Actually, she she she's fucking wise enough to bail out in his bullshit before it gets any worse. She's seen the writing on the wall. He's just your typical low IQ idiot who's just shown it as well in this fucking build up to the Taylor fight. He's fucked himself financially for years to come, you know, he's got this fucking carry on with his son going on there just now, man, this isn't looking good whatsoever, so Lopez is making every poor decision a young man can make at this point. So, uh, just to put a wee bit more misery on Lopez this week. you could see actually when one of the fights when he tried to bring the son in the ring after the fight and all that during uh, COVID and she was like really pissed off at him and knows uh, to all these fellas who are acting out on social media, your missus is, are sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fucking shit about you talking to a camera. Like Charlotte Fisher. Fucking sick of your shit. And they're going to leave you. <laughs> no, say it any name, Steve. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You're probably right there, actually. You know, the wife's getting fed up with his bullshit. Mama told you. Mama told you. Yeah, I remember there was a big issue before the marriage and that type of stuff. Mama told you not to do it. You did it. Um, as the, as my granddad used to say, son, it's the lure of the puss that gets you in the end. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude, but it's uh, it's, a, it's listen, it's uh, it's a it's a wise man speaking. So, uh, trust me on that one. Well, um, things things might be going downhill for Lopez, but they're going up for us from seventy nine p from Johnny. Dares is throwing in a oh, pound. So oh, come on, Dan. Keeping upwards there. This will do for the lawyers' fees, maybe. But then I think John Fisher will back in credit. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Rob, we're probably getting somewhere around thirty cents a piece. <laughs> oh, Two shit. cool pops tomorrow for me. Yep. <laughs> Fucking hell! Absolutely. Uh, any value of the weeks for you, though, Rob? Uh, oh, what's that? Four hundred what? Check. That's four hundred. Check. Check Broner. to supplement what's the deductions that? from Johnny's donation. What's that? Four hundred Adrian Broners. Well, I, I will say that he said he was buying like beers for around like two dollars British in Czechoslovakia. I don't know what the equivalent is there, but that's a fantastic uh, give there that uh, from uh, Thomas, who's a fantastic guy in the Nutters group. Steve, yes, he is. He's in the Patreon as well. Uh, the more money than sent, then boys, right? So I've done the uh, calculations, and it's four fourteen pound fifty one. Fourteen pound fifty one. That's the price of a pint each to the fucking boys. That's it. Come on, what? A pint each? Between the four of us, you kidding me, man? Look, not in fucking Ireland. Don't, <laughs> don't look the gift horse in the I mean, mouth there, I mean, tech, tech money or whatever the fuck he's giving us. Aye, right, so Steve, I've, I've got their, their nomination, mate. Just that, that one that he's, he's complaining during fight week that he's he's got personal issues are far more difficult than boxing and his ex-wife's filed for divorce, got to take half my money, 
half my assets, half my future earnings. This motherfucking this this woman this woman's actually got the best lawyers involved. Jim Mosley, I think, must be in the background pulling her strings somewhere. <laughs> you know. Oh, she seen, him, seen him coming through glass windows. How did she like fucking hell? He was lined up for Tio. But um, I, I tell you what, but I tell you what, there was, there was a picture dropped up actually between the two of them, and it's her holding up a kind of like a placard type thing. It's got your husband called and said you can buy anything you want. <laughs> Steve, I'll stick it in the chat if you want to put it up, mate. Ah, Just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Bob. Uh, any from you, please? No, I hadn't really got any. Uh, it was a slow week. I enjoyed the McGregor fucking Johnny roast. Because <laughs> I was, and then I was like driving in Dublin the other day, and like, I was walking by a guy, and he was, he was big, like you know, he's he's a big guy, and I had just been listening to it on a voice note, and it was popping out through the speakers, and I was, I was like, don't roll down the window, like, but I was dying because <laughs> he started off, hey, beach tits, beach tits. <laughs> so that was pretty good. And I like the uh, AJ's Instagram post. I think AJ should t- start talking like this more often now and talk about who's girl he's going to fuck um, when he's promoting the fights. I think that's the fucking... Oh, my God, look at that fight. You <laughs> fucking AJ. Jesus Christ. Ooh, I've uh, got some money, baby. Who scolded you with a kettle? Well, I'll tell you what, Lopez is asking to scold me with a kettle as well because he's fucking having that watch is probably getting getting hawked off as well. Yeah. I was thinking about I think about poor Lawrence Coley there last week actually after that ship performance. You know, see if I can You're find his future. You need to kind of sell off uh, that that Rolex at Eddie Bottom actually used to finance. <laughs> it was that shit. Your woman's a stone cold killer there. I tell you yeah, what, she's like on the record than Lopez here. Oh, she has. She's. I saw the same clip as I was saying. Rob did as well after the Sandor Martin fight. She wasn't handing that child over. She was like, ah, ah. No, never trust a big button a smile. That's what they say. <laughs> uh, Matty, uh, any never trust a big button a smile or any belly of the week from you? I think I'm just gonna have to go with my theme of nominating officials. So we're gonna go with Gerard White. Oh, he uh, and uh, Catelia uh, Chambers. Uh, for 77-74 scorecard uh, for Ardrill Holmes in the uh, fight against Wende Toussaint. Totally biased ref, pulling the plug when the doctor said it could have gone on anyways. Uh, And uh, those two scorecards, uh, specifically the very wide one in favor of Holmes, just absolutely deserving of scrutiny. Uh, So uh, another shitbag week from boxing in terms of of, uh, scorecards. And we also should probably nominate the ones that were in the... uh, fight from Canada on Thursday as well. Mm, yes, absolutely. Those two definitely deserve uh, nominations. Well said. That's all the nominations we have. Let's have a look through them before we do our picks for episode 526. Uh, there's Lopez there with his uh, former side piece, AJ, going in on the fans. Uh, night fight, fight night. Who knows for Catchell. Uh, Oscar tweeting out is always good value. <laughs> Derry Matthews going in on the sofa guy. Uh, Andy uh, exonerated with sexual slavery Ooh. claims. Uh, Conor McGregor. We've got Isaac Lowe. We had a bit of con, wants to fight Jerome Ennis. We had Eddie Hearn and Sonny Edwards on the old Twitter. Uh, Tiafimo again. And uh, Matty says no to this one, but we're throwing it in anyway. To True Boxing Kings. We also had the videos. We had Teo's dad. And we had the Gad and the John Fisher Chinese. Balls, Rob. Who are you going for episode 526? Yeah, actually, what am I talking about? Like, it has to be fucking... I think we should use my Kung Fu in this video, John. Really think I have background in Aikido and... Kendo Nagasaki. <laughs> the fuck is it? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck was that about, man? Jesus Christ. And, and then you've got stone cold lugs, fucking Spencer. Spencer. 
Fucking lug fucking LA thumbs up, man. What the he's, fuck? He's like Tommy in the fucking Snatch movie, isn't he? The Germans. He comes up at the end with the fucking zinger, like, fuck me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that one like, for me. Uh, fuck it, Okay, uh, the Bosch crowd for Rob. Uh, Andy, what about you? Oh, mate, I really wanted to go for Connor <laughs> Ben because fucking Jerome Ennis, man. What the fuck's he all about calling him out? You just stop it right now. You're not going to be fighting Jerome Boots Ennis anytime soon. Um, and Conor McGregor as well just gone pure cocaine head there again what an absolute roaster there man I was actually watching the UFC thing during the week there actually um, for his fight against Chandler so he's uh, he's back in training anyway at least so that's something good but um, yeah I'll go for the Fisher video what an abomination that is man that's not, it's not going to it's not going to meet the Oscars at any point I'll probably meet the Razzies possibly but <laughs> fucking hell John do you want to run us through the script yeah this time I've been fucking I'm going to say that's my fucking chicken ball oh, I think that's going to work wonderfully John let's fucking do that one <laughs> hey, say, say that I sip tequila baby I only drink tequila but I only sip it oh. what a fucking Jesus. helmet and then you've got Spencer, and then, and then you've got, and you've got lugs all over turning up there in the fucking background. Eh? Fuck off! I love your life, Andy. For I know. Listen to us, loving life here as well, mate. Take the piss. Knocking uh, people having a good time. We're fucking budget. Get a life us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Shout out to the Nutters meetup. I'm going for the Bosch crowd as Good well. Good lord, the talk there's Fright Night now. Look at this. <laughs> Ricky Gravel at the end. Get a life, the boys. <laughs> Ricky Grinder. Ricky with his chompers, man. Look at that fist. That's a fucking wee mini Bolden he's got there. It's a, it's That's a why fucking... he's the enforcer. It's a massive surprise to me that there is no women in the photo with five fellas with boxing asylum t-shirts on them. I fucking can't work oh, it out. Hang on, Rob. You speak too soon. There were actually this? some female-related photos. I haven't got them uploaded, unfortunately. But um, Probably yeah, best. Yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's looking in the toilet doing the doggy, is he? And they look quite happy to be surrounded by such handsome fellas. Uh, good on the lads, though. Look like a, looks like a good night. I would have absolutely fucking hated to be there, but it looks like a great night. No one's joking. <laughs> oh, we'll have to get that for next week. Well, uh, the Boshies have won, Matty, but you can throw yours in if you want as a mere formality. You know, uh, given it doesn't matter, uh, and uh, it's like a, a positive one, uh, and I like a good burn, let's give it to Dirty Dairy for his uh, nice burn regarding the uh, 12-week sofa waiting list. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, what that a poverty good. one that is, the £1,800 sofa. <laughs> Thomas Newman there says, all joking aside, do we have a boxing asylum t-shirt big enough for Big John? When I go to see him in September, he's going to the Big John tour. <laughs> he's just giving his money away, isn't he, Thomas? What are you doing, man? You have to fucking... <laughs> well... To crypto or something. <laughs> well... <laughs> Bitcoin, Rodney. Bitcoin, Rodney. <laughs> well, I... Steve, I, I guess we're going to have to get the Pakistani kids working overtime in the next month. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say, if we have to make a t-shirt for Big John, we're going to be repo Richter uh, ourselves. <laughs> imagine all the stains that'll be down the front of that t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Fucking t-shirt have mere food on it in the menu. <laughs> need to make sure the stitches are solid there as well. We need to make a triple stitch because there's a lot of weight that's going to be holding in there, man. Even the, even the fat bastard size. We should probably get get something with a fabric that breathes too, you know. Oh yeah, I think so. What do you think? Yeah, made of seventy nine pences. <laughs> yeah, you have to tell Johnny Nelson to up his up his contributions. I think we're gonna get that done. <laughs> yeah. We need more of them check dollars. 
Cash up for the boys. Uh, congratulations to the Bosch boys. They're both the winner, week winners for episode 526. Also, before I hand back to Matty, uh, Johnny's thrown in 79p. Des as well. He's in the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Boxing Asylum. They're thrown in a pound as well. And 400 check thingamajigs. Is it kroners or something there from, uh, <laughs> yeah. from Thomas? <laughs> hey, as long as they can ultimately spend like uh, pounds, right? Still, like an a, right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you to uh, Thomas Newman. Uh, just before I hand over to Matty, just on a serious note as well, just wanted to say uh, RIP to a friend of the pod, Judy Fitzgerald, who passed away during the week uh, from Limerick. Judy was a ring card girl. Met her a few times. Real nice, bubbly character. Very friendly. You heard her on the pod as well. With Donnie's never-ending question, unfortunately, she passed during the week. So, yeah, just our condolences to the family of Judy Fitzgerald who passed during the week there, Matty. Thank you. An absolute shame. Uh, lose these people too young, Steve. That's uh, that's for sure. Losing people Yeah, 32, young. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, that's a shame. So, uh, God love her and her, fam- uh, her family. Uh, peace be unto you. I, I hope you can find uh, some solace in this time of grief. Uh, it's just uh, very tough, I'm sure. So, uh Unfortunately, on that note, uh, we're going to be heading out of here today, but I'd like to thank uh, Rob, Andy, and Steve for joining us today. And we will be back, well, they will be back next week uh, to uh, review uh, the uh, fight with uh, Tiafimo Lopez and Josh Taylor. And uh, they'll also be going over some stuff that's coming up uh, as well uh, the, the week after. I don't know uh, how much you guys are going to care, but we'll see about what's going on. Let's see here the the week after that. We're looking, uh, oh, we got pre-progray uh, is coming in there against the kind of late replacement, Danilito Zaria. So we'll see what's going on with him, how he's looking uh, right now, waiting for those big fights. Uh, but until then, we will. Uh, you guys have a great week ahead. We have that new prediction league that's going to be starting up in about a month, and we hope to see some new people in the Patreon who want to get involved in that. Uh, but you folks have a fantastic week ahead, and we will see you next week. We'll never forget. We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking so I can fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bomb. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight. I will fucking smash fucking you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. Sports Social Podcast Network.